Welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. We are playing One Ring today, this afternoon, tonight. Uh, it is uh, it is the finale of our Waking of Angmar campaign that we have been playing for close to two years. At this point, episode 71. There are 70 before this, some of which were quite long. Uh, but it's all come down to this. We ended last session on probably a very cruel and the cruelest of cliffhangers and uh we will see how it fares tonight but that is it this is the end this is the this is the last episode this is not our last time playing one ring of course we will come back to this i'm sure i'm sure at some point uh, but it is the last time that we'll be playing with the characters that you now see on the screen uh and uh in the story of of angmar and its uh awakening uh so uh before we get going a couple quick things First, uh, we got a couple of giveaways tonight uh, as a celebration uh, from uh, for for everything that we've done. Our good buddies uh, over at Norse Foundry, Eric especially, uh, has decided to to give us a couple gift certificates, seventy five bucks a pop uh, that we're going to give away to some folks. So we're going to be doing those one here at the beginning of the stream and one we're going to be doing at the end. Uh, it's uh, and we're going to kind of just do it in the in the chat and uh, we'll we'll probably just before we start up. Uh, with play after like introductions of character and stuff like that. We'll probably pick a winner for the first one and then we'll do the second one at the very end. So if you're here at the start, great. If you don't get it at the start, hang around to the end and you'll have another chance and then you can get some awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, the way to enter is very, very simple. Uh, all you need to do is uh, type into that uh, Twitch chat, hashtag Angmar. That is it. Hashtag Angmar. And at some point in the next, though, 15, 20 minutes or so, I'll give it a roll and we'll see who wins. Uh, but that is that. So then next thing we're going to do is we're gonna do some intros. For the final time, uh, you're going to go ahead and introduce your characters, uh, say who you are, who you're playing, all that kind of stuff. I'm also kind of curious what's going through your head uh, in the moment when you see a cold drake climb into the throne room of Doom, breathe poisonous gas onto many of your allies and obliterating uh, two of your elvish friends. So maybe speak to that if you want. If not, that's cool too. Uh, but we will start as we always do uh, with the most attractive dwarf we have in the party, Floy of Gladrock. Long, tell us about Floy. Yes, I am Floy, son of Oi. Nice dwarf, treasure hunter. The age of 72. I'm quite redoubtable. My fellowship focus is Daggett's is actually switched mid-fellowship. I don't even remember the, who I had previously. I think it was It Gilly. was also me. I think it was yeah, Gilly for a while. Gilly? Yeah, it was probably okay. Gilly. In the beginning, it was <laughs> Gilly. I know that. I remember we... But we... I picked up quite a bit of scars, about four shadow scars. I've gone down my shadow path three times. Quite the accolades. <laughs> quite the accolades. Fantastic. <laughs> and, Fantastic. and quite humble, too. Very humble. Uh, oiled, oiled, beautiful beards that are probably not in great condition right now as you've been in Ingmar for several weeks. Uh, but let's go ahead and move over to your one time, your one time fellowship focus, but you long ago broke up with her. Uh, Gilly Kettlegrass. Ashley, tell us about Gilly. You know, maybe he broke up with Gilly as fellowship focus just because she was too focused on like his siblings and it got weird, you know, as when she visited Gladrock. But Gilly Kettlegrass, she is our Bree Hobbit. She's the only child of Pym and Tolman Kettlegrass. And um, yeah, she is our scholar. And as one of the people to be uh, 
struck by the acid breath of this ice drake. Um, Gilly is terrified. This is the worst thing that could have uh, currently happened to us on top of this. Um, as she was facing the elves as they were also hit by this, so she actively witnessed their disintegration. And um, if Hope could have gotten us out of Angmar, we would have already been out of there. So obviously we need something else. And uh, so Gilly's Gilly's thinking of of literally how else could we get out of here, and she's terrified. Uh, that brings up an interesting question, Melissa. How are we doing on uh, on audience boost versus complications? How's that looking right now? I I don't keep track of complications, but I know that we have twenty six <laughs> audience boosts. Oh, okay. Twenty six hundred. Fourteen. That's what I heard. I have like fourteen. <laughs> And I know I know how I'm going to use about half of them already. So oh, the others, I'm just going to sort of wing it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but you know, I'm definitely going to use them before the end because there's no way uh, I'm. That's wrong of me not to not to use them. Uh, it's so well, wrong. So so why? disrespectful of all of the you know, bits that we're sharing. You, know, you should count every complication as two audience dice. That's the most respectful way to use it. I think it's I like think. one complication, <laughs> though, equals three audience dice, though, in terms of the math. Oh, of doing you niche. twisted our arms. I guess that's what we're going with. <laughs> uh, okay, next up, Melissa, tell us about Arineal. Yeah, so Arineal is our Ranger of the North champion whose fellowship focus is Gilly. So uh, this whole situation with the Drake and the proximity to Gilly is... Uh, very much uh, distressing to Arineal. Uh, she would very much prefer not to see anything bad happen to Gilly. She has become fairly resigned herself to kind of the, oh my goodness, to the uh, outcome of um, this being not good for her personally. Um, that is something she would be okay with, but not um Gilly and preferably like no one else in the group, but like especially Gilly because, you know, fellowship focus is favorites. Absolutely. Well put. Well put. Okay. Um, next up, we've got maybe not our best looking dwarf, but we have probably our, our strongest dwarf, I think we figured out, and the captain of the party and the person all of the blame for the failure of this mission is going to fall on. We've got Daggett, son of Snook. Go ahead, Stephen. Tell us about Daggett. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Daggett, son of Snook, brother of Snagget. He was always wishing for more family, and he has finally found it with his fellowship. He has had a rough go the past few uh, days, weeks. He had a bout of madness recently. And I think deep down he knew that he would not actually return from Angmar, especially after the last uh, foray into the the tower. So seeing this Drake break through the walls, climb on down, I think he just knows this is it. And he wants to go down swinging. Okay. You're not... Um, I mean, you're not wrong. This is definitely it. I don't know... Things are going to happen. I'm not going to say what, but there's a lot of play left uh, or we're going to be done in 20 minutes. One of the two. Uh, I feel He's going like to fight to the end, happen. no matter the runtime. I do. You, do you think Daggett feels any guilt um, about what happened with Block Fong? 
absolutely he does because okay. he purposefully stuck his head in the sand for so long uh, when everyone was warning him that it was dangerous but he enjoyed the strength it gave him so when it turned against the fellowship he definitely feels guilty for that for holding on to it yeah that's that's a fair point and if it if it's not clear um the the curse there so for those of you who, who do who know wandering rules and you make magical weapons and stuff there was a cursed item uh and it was specifically owned by this sort of the the enemy now we now face in a manner and so uh it was kind of acting against your wishes and in favor of, of its now that it was in such close proximity uh so it wasn't actually daggett doing these awful things but the weapon itself just sort of like forcing itself in some way to sort of do these things is kind of how uh, of how i was playing it but if uh, i could have found a way to cleanse it or had just not even brought it in the first place mm -hmm. I, I could have been more proactive about trying to prevent it so i think there that's was definitely Daggett feels guilty there is a definite way to cleanse it much like we we did with floy uh with his with his armor early on uh, just uh, never, never kind of rose to a priority at any point. I think Gilly did a little bit of research, but there never really kind of came, uh, it became a priority in the ways that, you know, the, the mithril early on was. Uh, okay. Uh, before I uh, let the, let, let Maitre introduce Tara, one last uh, warning to everybody. We're going to be doing our first of the giveaways once introductions are done. So once Maitre is introducing her character, we're going to draw the first one. Hashtag Angmar if you want a chance at winning some Norse Foundry goodness. If you don't win early on, no big deal. We're going to do it again at the very end. So just stick around and you'll have another chance. And with that, Maitre, tell us about Tara. Uh, Tara is a uh, ranger as well, a uh, warden. And um, the vibe is very, you know, Aries her best friend, but when she's on Aries' best friend, <laughs> so Aranil is Tara throughout her focus. And um, she is she she started everything Angmar is sort of um, quite uh, zen about like well I am a ranger and this is who I am and this is what I was meant to do and much like Daggett the uh, thought right now is. I'm going to go down swinging, but I probably am going to go down. <laughs> and as she sees the uh, warg, um, pardon me, as she sees the uh, drake um, sort of emerge from what was the corner of Rye, but now has her whole focus, uh, she's like, well, at least I'm not dying to a fucking orc. <laughs> that's a great point that's a great point if you're gonna go down you want to go down in this manner uh do you think there's any regret tara feels about joining your last join you you knew about the horrible um like what, what they were going towards at the end like like floy and gilly they didn't start with this horrible crazy mission and even you know even daggett was sort of kind of weaved in a little bit differently but like tara you you signed on in the last arc with like full eyes on like what what this was going to end up like does tara feel any regret or misgivings about doing that uh no tara feels like this was an opportunity that she would never have gotten if she hadn't crossed over neil's path um at this point 
Like she would just have been just another grunt if um, this didn't present itself. All right. Thank you very much. We are going to, I'm going to go ahead and roll the winner for the first uh, giveaway. Then, boy, do I have a summary to do. Uh, so oh. uh, here we go. So check the chat. You can see the winner. Uh, Melissa or I will reach out to you and we'll sort it out. Uh, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Looks like it was Griffin. Griffin, thanks. Thanks so much. You've been with us for so long. Okay. Be ready. I have a campaign summary to date. So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep this under. I wanted to try to keep this under 10 minutes. I don't think I succeeded, uh, but I will do my best to uh, to go through it. So here we go. Uh, Let's see. Music or no music? Should I do this with a backdrop of music or should it just be it just be me? Music. Okay. My favorite track is Moonbreaker Mountain from Tabletop Audio. Uh for and it's got this like sort of sad um but nonetheless interesting an interesting tone to it. I've always felt it kind of weaved between sadness and curiosity. And so that's what's gonna be in the background uh as I go. Here we the fellowship began in the year 2965 of the Third Age in the village of Coombe, neighbor, uh, neighbor to Bree. Balin, son of Fundin, called together a group of young adventurers, his fellow dwarf and treasure hunter, Floy, the Halls of Gladrock, Gilly Kettlegrass, a scholarly Marie Hobbit, and child to Pym and Tolman, and Arineal, daughter of Moriel and a ranger of the north. In Coombe lived Rosa Goodborough, one of Balin's dear friends. She and her neighbors had suffered a great tragedy, slaughtered livestock, likely at the hands of orcs and goblins. The fellowship, newly formed, investigated, befriending along the way the woodcutter Elise Briarcleave, the widowed scholar Oswald Breaker, the village healers Alcott and Graham Sweetroot, and an exiled Bree warden named Hollis Oakstout, along with his two dogs, Hooper and Quint, and his dear and delightful mother, Marge. The investigation revealed that this was no stray rabble of orcs and goblins, but one tied to a war band led by a very fearsome orc named Rotag. The Fellowship also learned of evil hill folk down from the dark lands of Rudaur and their desire to recover treasure and knowledge from the time of Arnor. Now, the Fellowship tracked the hill folk to the ruins of Fornost Arrain, where they first met the ranger Talendil, who stood sentinel over the haunted city. Talendil led the fellowship into the ruins where Arineal came into possession of an old helm once worn by King Argaleb I of Arthedain. It is also where the fellowship encountered the hillfolk chieftest Lottie, a fire-haired warrior who lifted the weapon that we would later know as Black Fang or Block Fong and drew forth wraiths to aid in her escape. Soon, the fellowship would travel northward to Angmar for the first time. Along the way, they met Thorvum and Phoebe, dwarves from a long-abandoned colony in Dunland. Uh, they, too, were hunting the orc known as Rotag and sought revenge for what his war party had done to their kin. The Fellowship also found allies in the dark hills of Rudaur in the form of Nidil and Una, who bore no love for Lottie. While exploring a Rudaur castle nearby in a half-sunken bog, Floy nearly died of poison from a creature known only as the Lurker in the Dark. But it was also in that ruin 
that the Fellowship found two very important treasures, a cursed but glorious coat of Mithril, and the Pearl of Celebrion, once the Lady of Rivendell. Further north, near Mount Grom, the Fellowship met Marimbin, the estranged wife of Talendil, who had been brutally hunting trolls to avenge the death of their daughter. And it was also where they rescued and welcomed to the Fellowship Erebon, child of Eru, self-exiled warden of Eriador. With the help of Thorvum, Phoebe, and Marimben, the Fellowship, now grown to four, snuck into Rotok's camp, bound for Mount Gudabad in, in potential reinforcements, and assassinated the creature that they learned was not an orc, but an Olag Hai, a special breed of troll bred only for war. And it was from Rotag and his Cretans that Erebon rescued a jeweled armband crafted by the Gwethi Mirdan, and a symbol of unity between elves and dwarves. With the leader dead, the warband fractured in the Fellowship, ready to return to the Breelands, it did so, and it seemed as though things were better. After a much-deserved rest, the Fellowship ventured westward, along the Brandywine River, where they spied for the first time a gray-sailed ship captained by a black-cloaked figure whose very presence seemed to draw death and sickness from the earth. The figure eventually passed, and onward the Fellowship traveled into the hills of Evendim and to the village of Eskerdale. As an isolated and superstitious people, these Eskerdalians warned that the Fellowship would bring doom, and in a way, they were not wrong. The Fellowship discovered the remnants of a ranger colony on the islets in Lake Nanuial, and there they befriended the blind ranger Orphan and his people, and together they fought and fled from a creature known as the Doom of Nanuial, so ancient and so old, and living somewhere in the shadows far below the lake water. It was around this time that the cursed coat of Mithril started to tear away at the goodness in Floy, and so the Fellowship continued to travel further westward to the Blue Mountains, where they first encountered Snagit, son of Snook, and the dwarven Oathbreakers, who would later play a very key role in our adventures. It was also where Araban gave away his armband, but fortunately it would one day return. The Fellowship also spoke with the addled Loremaster Hajolin, who once was mended, started to tell tales of an ancient betrayal between dwarf and elf, and it was this betrayal that served as the seed of Floy's curse. And it was the elves of Linden who were those who were betrayed who might actually have the wisdom to help Floy. And so the fellowship traveled westward once more, this time to Forlan, to the home of Erebon, nay Sorendir, for he had been hiding from the fellowship both his true name and also his shame at abandoning his people and his dearest friend, Balavan, the same Balavan who now served as captain of Forlan and to its great lady, Ortolos. Ortolos, in her love, Amdurim offered to help Floy with his curse, who was able to cleanse it within the waters of Linden. And when Lady Ortolos asked the Fellowship for their aid, they honorably agreed. She and most of her people fought during the war with Angmar more than a thousand years ago, and many of these elves at that time descended into a dungeon of foul sorcery known as Othrungul. And although most returned from that charge, none had memory of what befell them there. There was a dark emptiness across their otherwise perfect memory. And worse, her elves had begun to deteriorate in ways foreign and frightening and in no way similar to the ways that elves tend to waste. 
Honorbound, and now with a new patron, the Fellowship journeyed again to Angmar. Talendil and Marimben no longer estranged, they aided them in the journey. And despite the terrible denizens of Angmar, coal drakes, and northern wolves, and these great ursine beasts, the Fellowship found the entrance to Othrungal. But inside, their lives would be forever changed. There was a foul sorcerer who remained inside, now undead and unseen. And whatever curse he had laid upon the forlorn elves still remained. But the sorcerer of Othrungal proved too great a foe. Marimben and Talendil were the first to fall. And afterwards, as the Fellowship retreated to the Breelands, Sorendir disappeared never to be seen again. A long and harsh winter separated the Fellowship at that point, but Gilly and Arbineal reunited with Floy once more, now in the halls of Gladrock. Floy had taken on the charge of hunting down Snagit, the son of Snook, and the Dwarven Oathbreakers. His ally in this task was Daggett, brother to Snagit, who wanted to keep his brother safe. The Fellowship, now grown to four again, traveled to the northern reaches of the Blue Mountains, where tales spoke of secret treasures stashed away by the human king Arvadui as he fled the forces of Angmar at the tail end of the war. When the Fellowship reached the old dwarf mine, they found it overrun with Lottie and her hillfolk who were searching for Arvadui's treasure and were preyed upon by an ursine beast of Angmar that had made the tunnels of this mine its home. And it was in those dark tunnels where Arineal found Menozegar, a Numenorean blade last used in defense of the Arthedane king. With the aid of the dwarven Oathbreakers, led by a fairly obsessed Snagit and his elder, Rollin, the Fellowship managed to bury the Ursine beast and defeated Lottie, Daggett retrieving the doomed weapon Blackfang for himself, and rather than turn over the whereabouts of the Oathbreakers to the leaders of Gladrock and Cragstone, the Fellowship kept their secret, allowing the Oathbreakers to make their mine their home. Months later, the promise to Lady Ortelis, Ortelis had not been fulfilled, so the, the Fellowship decided that they were going to venture to the city of Tharbad, planning another journey to Angmar, and they were specifically looking for their old friends Thorvum and Thebe again. They hoped to recruit them for yet another journey. In Tharbad, however, they became embroiled in local politics, having to earn the favor of the city's master Gurnau in order to free Thorvum, Thebe, and their fellow dwarves, both from work contracts and from punishment. Fortunately, it was in Gurnau's court where Arineal met an old friend, Taraneth, Ranger of the North, who had secretly entered Gurnau's court as a scout. Tara joined the cause, and together, the Fellowship tracked sightings of a familiar gray-sailed ship on the River Greyflood north of the city. And it was then that the Fellowship confronted possibly their most terrifying enemy, at least until now, a Nazgul. But it was bloody and vicious, and Terra, Arineal, and Gilly all nearly succumbed to their wounds. But they were eventually able to chase the Nazgul away from the land, land surrounding Tharbad. Somehow, such a task, however, was not enough to earn the release of Thorvum and Thebe, so the Fellowship, now grown to five, allied with Tharnau, son of Gurnau, warden of Tharbad, who defeated Daggett in an honorable duel and would one day win the heart of Terraneth. Further south, they traveled, for rumors started to spread of a new orc threat now led by Aglor the Unbroken. However, there were stories that he was furnished with weapons and armor by, as the theory goes, the forge fires of Karn Doom reignited, perhaps, by the descendants of someone named Goldfane. In the library of Tharbad, Gilly learned how 
dwarven betrayal continued through the ages, and Gulfain once brought the ire of dragons from the Withered Heath down on the dwarf kin living within the Grey Mountains. With the aid of Tharnal and his wardens, the Fellowship defeated Aglor the Unbroken, freed Thorvum and Thievi from servitude, befriended the ever-energetic Timothy Titus, and you enlisted the aid of Terra. You now journeyed northward, led by Terra, hoping to gain the aid of her ranger conclave uh, in the fight against Angmar. On their travels, Terra and Gilly had an interesting moment where they watched the spirits of an old Cardinal village grow sick and die from plague, and then they later discovered the helm of the Red Hills, once wore by Cardinal scouts, buried in a well, cleaned, and now worn by Terra. The journey to the angle also led to a chance encounter with Radagast the Brown, who would not be the only wizard that the Fellowship would suddenly share food and conversation with. Once in the angle, the Fellowship met Vignator and Lady Arasil, both respected rangers of some renown and learned of strife within the community. Lady Arasil wished for the rangers to abandon Eriador and join Gondor to the south while Gilrain, mother to Aragorn, argued that the rangers should not abandon the old lands of Arnor. All the while, the Fellowship's dreams were beset by a very insidious foe, the Lord of Nightmares, a remnant of Angmar's invasion from a thousand years ago. The Fellowship confronted the specter in the ruins of Irthad Kalin, where the rivers of the Loudwater and the Horwell meet. At a ranger council, the Fellowship called for aid. An aid was pledged by Vinyator, by Lady Arasil, and by the elf twins Elrohir and Eladin, sons of Elrond, sons of Celebrion, who bonded with Gilly over the pearl that she now carried. And it was also at this council that the Fellowship met Gandalf the Grey, the second wizard in his many weeks who warned Daggett about the weapon he carried, about Block Fong. And although Daggett would not admit it, the axe often forced fairly dark and terrible thoughts. And for as long as Daggett carried it, it never truly felt like his. Its true master lay elsewhere. And so a rallying place and time was set, weather top, after the first thaw of winter. There gathered all of the Fellowship's allies, Lady Arasil and Vinyator and the Rangers of the North, the elves Elrohir and Eladin and their Rivendell friends, Amdurim and Balavan and the forces of Forland, Thorvum and Thebe and the remnants of their Dunlan colony, Tharnal and Titus and Wardens of Tharbad, and Rollin and Snagit and the Oathbreaker Dwarves. To Angmar, the company marched, and from Nadil and Una, they learned that the hillfolk had started to rally around a self-styled King Braddock, but that the hillfolk also didn't bear any love for orcs. The Fellowship and its Forlorn allies traveled across the lands, ventured into Angmar, set up camp, and eventually descended once more into Othrangul to finally free the elves of Forlorn from the dark sorcery. There, they sadly discovered Sorendir's final fate, a fate which which broke Balavan's spirit because it was revealed that their friendship was more than just friendship. But nonetheless, there was still work to be done. Into the watchtower of Kellic Dor, it was the Fellowship's next task. They ascended, seeing frozen images of battles past, and there they slayed a watcher wave that had been tracking their movements across Angmar and perhaps even prior to then. And they glimpsed for the first time Gulfain, merely a vision in an icy mirror, but Black Fang sensed its master, and it betrayed Daggett with every swing. As the Fellowship and its allies rallied in secret caves, they learned of an old dwarven city that neighbored Karndoom, 
and hidden paths through the mountains of Angmar that would lead them to the doorsteps of the fortress. And so they traveled these paths and they gazed upon the seat of Angmar who, where forge fires were blazing once more, where trolls and orcs rebuilt walls and towers with salvage stone. Outnumbered at least 10 to 1, the Fellowship used stealth to gain access to the ruined fortress. They tasked the Forlorn Elves and Dunlin Dwarves with harrying trolls and orcs near the southern ramparts, causing distractions. They sent Lady Aracel and her rangers, Tharnau and his wardens, and the Oathbreaker Dwarves into the forge fires to sabotage the dark industry that had armed and armored all of these orcs and trolls more strongly than they had ever been. And then it was up the spire of ruin that the Fellowship climbed, with the Elf Twins and their Rivendell friends beside them, into the throne room of Karn Doom, where once sat the Witch King of Angmar. It was there, in that shadowed seat, that Gulfane, Forge Rite of, of Karn Doom, Steward of Angmar, awaited them. And he called them all by name, for he had been watching all this time. Floy, as is his way, charged, but the wraiths came to his defense when he used a weapon of some familiarity. Arineal and Daggett and Terra joined the fray as well, and the elves of Rivendell, and Gilly, as we might expect, firing true from her bow. But Gulfain was ready, and from the eastern wall of the spire crawled a massive cold drake, who unleashed a poisonous breath on Gilly and on the elves of Rivendell, and once the breath faded, two elves lay dead, Gilly severely harmed, and the fellowship in peril more dire than they had ever faced. And I would like all of you to go ahead and roll a shadow test for dread. As there stands the massive creature, not a dragon, a drake, not able to fly, but thus able in some ways to breathe some kind of fire, some kind of poisonous breath. And this is where we begin. Starting off. Four, no extra successes. Okay. Great success, Sauron. Ooh. Oh, Floyd. But you still you still succeeded, correct? Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let's do this one at a time. So great success, Floyd, with a salary. Okay. Uh, take one point of shadow. Gilly. Uh, great success. Same thing, one point of shadow. Orineal. Regular success. Uh, regular success, take two points of shadow. Daggett. Failure. Daggett, take three points of shadow. And Terraneth. Uh, failure. Take three points of shadow. As the sheer teller, terror of this creature and all of its, all of its massiveness, all of its, its violence, its face, these fangs and teeth, rows and rows of them, this scaled, thick, chitinous armor, these long arms that are beset by this mem membrane between, uh, between wrist and between ribs, dark, cold eyes that seem to not have a care, and it stands right now in the throne room. Resetting, you can see, as we look around, just remember that the Spire of Ruin is about five or six stories high. Its eastern wall was long damaged and it's open to air and that is where this drake has come from. Floy, you are locked in melee with Gulfane. Uh, you're on the steps of a 
large dais because behind it is the throne itself. And there are these flickering blue-green flames casting shadows that are around the room nearby to Floy's back. You can see Terra is in a duel with a wraith. Elodin and Daggett, you are flanking another effectively. Uh, Arineal, your foe has fallen, but I believe to an arrow from Gilly. Uh, you can see also that the bodies of Curador and Erodin, Rivendell elves, lie to the eastern side of the room. And you can see that the rays did not seem to be particularly affected. Gilly and Elro here, your bows are drawn, but you are sizzling. Uh, you're both your skin and your armor, and you also uh, can feel the heat of the breath of this drake as you are standing roughly beneath its maw. The throne room is very long. The ceiling is tall. You entered from the south, which is a ways away, where a winding stair leads back down to the yard of the dead. There is a second hallway on the western side of the room. You do not know where it goes. There is a raised balcony that wraps around the entire hall that overlooks everything. It does seem empty. You hear the distant sounds of war horns and chaos floating occasionally in through and behind the drake. And as you all turn and stare after the roar of this creature, as you stare at the bodies of your elvish allies on the ground, Floy, you hear a chuckle, laughter, and you hear which first sounds something like, like a whisper as Gulfain speaks. Long has this day been in the making, Floy of Gladrock. Long has the line of Gulfain suffered the judgment of lesser folk. Sullied and stricken has our legacy been by those who would call us betrayers, by those who would reshape history to free themselves of burden and guilt. His voice getting louder, and as you all start to hear it, maybe you start to look, and then he turns to you, Daggett. Long has this day been in the making, Daggett, son of Snook. Long have we toiled in the shadows of the earth, not for jewels and riches, as you true petty dwarves have done, but for power. It is with this power that we will wash over the lands to the south, unearth the dwarves grown fat and wasteful in the blue mountains, in the iron hills, and now again in the halls of Erebor. The line of Durin has ended. The line of Gulfain has come. And he reaches back and he charges at Floy. And we begin round two of combat. Oh, gosh. Floy, you were It's only in, the second round. It's only second round. <laughs> right? Tara, Floy, Daggett, forward stance. Do you remain as such? Yeah. Arineal yes. open stance. Do you remain I'm as such? Changing. Okay. Yes. Daggett, you have switched into defensive stance. Arineal, you're staying at open. Gilly, you are in uh, rearward. You are, however, currently right in the range and right under the mouth of this creature known as a cold drake. Gassat is its name, though I don't think you all would know. Uh, Eladin and Elrohir are still available for use. Elrohir is currently by Gilly. Eladin is by Daggett. Uh, looking at the, the room, there are one, two, three, four, five enemies, excuse me, um, six enemies, and there are seven of you 
So you all are still able to set targets. Everything needs to be set. Floyd, I'm assuming you're staying on Goldfane. Is that correct? Yeah, I'll stay on. Okay. Uh, Tara, are you remaining with the Wraith in front of you? I am. Okay. Now we get to a difficult question with Arineal and Daggett. Daggett, you can step away from your Wraith as Elodin does have it covered. There is, however, the issue of the Cold Drake on the eastern side that needs to be that needs to be engaged. And there are two other frost wraiths as well. So Arineal and Daggett. I am not wounded and I have more armor than you. Uh, I switched to defensive because I think I, I should go for the dragon instead of you. I You should go for Gulfane. You are right there. He's powerful against dwarves. You should not go there. I should go there. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go for the race first. We have to clear them out before two people can go on Gulfane. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm staying on my way. I, yep. I just so if, if Kara and Arenial can clear some wraiths and then go for Golfain, Daggett will just Understood. hold on for dear life. Okay. Can we get to the hallway? And Arenial right. will engage with one of the wraiths. Uh, okay. Uh, Arenial, go ahead and move your character uh, token onto one of the wraiths. No problem. Uh, Daggett, you charge across the room. What does it look like as Daggett charges across from right next to Golfain? After he had completed this speech and shouted in terror, and there was sort of a, a mad laughter uh, that seemed to echo around with it. What did it look like as Daggett chases across the room towards this Drake? Daggett was already panicking from failing that dread roll. And when Daggett panics, he wants to feel like he's in control. So I think he would have muttered a, a dwarven curse word. And then he would have just started barking orders to the rest of the fellowship, whether they hear him or listen to him or not. Uh, he would yell, Terra, Arenial, we kill Golfain, we run. And then he would take a deep breath and start heading towards the Drake. Okay. Uh, and there ahead. are enough of us to cover all the frost rates. So you guys, including your NPCs, uh, you do have enough. It does mean that Gilly will no longer get a bonus from Elro get here, as Elro here, here okay. will go ahead at this point, as, he's, as Elro here sees... Uh, and here is actually a Rineal call to Gilly to to back to the hall. He will turn towards he will turn towards you, Gilly, and he will say, "Listen to your range of friend, get distance." And then he will charge. Essentially, not you're not sure if it's necessarily to follow Daggett's orders or merely to go defend his friends uh, mm. who lay now uh, we know dead at the feet of these race, but he will charge in as well. Daggett, you run across the room. You can go ahead and slide your token over in the direction of Gisat, the cold drake. And target selection... It doesn't selection. need to be too close. No, no, no. It's got to be right up in that thing. All right. Uh, so <laughs> let's get right up. Let's just go ahead and put it right... Hang on. Let me just get it right on the mouth right there. There we go. Okay. Perfect. All right, we're all set. These are all visual jokes. So if you're listening to this, you should watch the fuck. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Tara, Tara and Floyd are both in forward stance. What would you like to do? Uh, I'm just gonna take a swing with my uh, with my spear. Or I'm gonna Absolutely. Take a jab with my Absolutely. Spear Go right ahead. These do have a parry of one, so whatever your target number it is, increase it by one, and that's what you need to hit. We have plenty of audience bits. We got to use them today. Yes, you, we do. We've gotten like three thousand today, so thank you, everybody. Thank you. Holy shit. Yeah, no, back. I'm definitely going <laughs> to take uh, 
Can I, can Max I is seven for favored and plus two dice. Okay, can I do that? Fuck. Yes, that is correct. Everything's everything Stephen just said is correct. Okay, awesome. Okay, okay. well then I fucking super succeed with uh, with the gandy and two sixes okay gandy and two sixes uh so gandy would be a uh that in itself is going to cause a protection roll uh so let me go ahead and do that really fast what's your what's your injury rating on that weapon uh sorry i'm like nervous and i don't know my it's all good. Up. uh injury uh-huh. is 18 Okay, I will burn a oh, eight. Sorry, actually, I think it's nineteen because of a thing I have. Because you have, because uh, it's what fell. Fell weapon, no. yeah. Is it fell? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna burn a hate to uh, get an extra twenty. Pardon me, I'm so okay. sorry. It's twenty no, you're because of fell. Well, I actually rolled a salary, uh, so that is as a good first start. So I, I am not wounded. Uh, however, <laughs> what is the total damage? Uh. The damage on the weapon is five. Damage to the weapon and is five. My you have, strength is six, so that's so you, an eleven. You, you do well. It's actually you, you said you had two extra successes. Yeah. So you get that twice. You get six and six. You can use heavy blow twice, oh. which would be twelve plus five is seven. And Tara, that is enough. Describe how <gasps> you take this thing down. Amazing. I. Uh, it's a fucking wraith. I have no idea how to fight wraith. So I do the only thing that I can think to do, which is to kind of uh, go as forcefully forward as I can with the spear. And it doesn't give me the resistance that I'm used to with skin and muscle and bone and everything. But that doesn't stop it from shrieking this unholy sound and just kind of melting around my spear beautiful it's and it very falls. unsettling <laughs> the ground you see is just sort of these tiny little particulates like sand or glass or ice in that that kind of blue green color that you see in the in the fires that you see embedded in some of that kind of ethereal glow that these wraiths have in front of Gulfane. and we'll turn to floy floy what would you like to do You've allied with Dragonkin under Angmar. You will not sully the door of the Dern anymore. They are not our allies. They are my servants. I'm going to grip onto my axe and swing at him. Okay. Remember like that Gulfain has yeah, a like five to, parry. I'd like to spend one hope and then activate my proud distinctive feature, being proud of our kin. Absolutely. Uh, let me double check to make sure there's nothing I can do for you. Nope, nope, nothing I can do for you. So yeah, you're good. Go ahead and give it a r- roll. Everything I have against you is offensive. All those dice, and I only got a success. A so, single success. Plan yeah, success, seven no bonuses. Okay. No bonuses. All right, man. Seven points of damage. You swing at him with your uh, <laughs> with your Kobar's cleaver. Kind of parries to the side. You don't really think you actually land anything, or it's more just endurance is not just damage, but it's also wear and tear. And as you continue to swing this kind of heavy, heavy blade, and he is using his um, using his own axe to kind of to, to parry and parry left and right, uh, you do manage to 
kind of wear him down a bit. But, <laughs> fat and happy, those Blue Mountain Dwarves are. We who grow in the cold are made of sturdier things. I pity you, Floy, but that pity runs only so deep. And then we will turn over to Arineal. Uh, Arineal, you have charged in at a wraith, a wraith that had been standing over top of the body of Erodin, one of the Rivendale elves. What does Arineal do? So Arineal is just irritated that these are here because there's things that we need to get to and like these just need to go away. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to grab uh, five to try to get a uh, favored and see what that does for me. Uh, that is a, I've got a, okay, so I've got one, six, so six, seven, eight, nine, 14, 20. Okay. So that it's like 24 to hit. Uh, it's your target number. These just only have a parry of one, so that should still be plenty. Uh, how many? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got one extra success, uh, okay. which I will put to strength, so that will be 12 damage. Okay. So this one hadn't been harmed uh, as you charge in, and this thing, it looks like it's reaching down, and you see this kind of ghastly hand almost reaching into the body, this this sort of shriveled acidically burned body of Eredin. You no longer can even see difference between clothing, armor, and skin. But this ghastly hand is almost reaching down into it, almost as if it's playing with the essence, whatever it is that makes an elf an elf. It's almost reaching down to see if it can find it and dig it out. But you come charging in, and you you swing down with Manozagar, and without even a moment's hesitation, it hacks into that arm. You see the arm just kind of flop and fall to the ground, this ghastly thing. It is not, however, dead, as it rears on you, eyes glowing with hatred. Uh, but it is nonetheless quite wounded. Real quick, I forgot because I am using Minozagar and this is an undead bane creature. Mm -hmm. uh, there's actually four extra because it gets a bonus for my valor. So it's 16 total damage. As it reaches out with its other hand, you don't even waste a second. You just slash down with one, cut off the, the arm, this ghastly arm at the foreign in the most inexplicable manner. It is an ethereal thing. Somehow you have severed it. And then with a spin, you turn back to it for a moment. You can see the hair of Arineal out from underneath the helm of Argaleb as she comes back around. And this time it is not an arm that it, it slashes and cuts and severs. It is the creature's very head. And much like with Terraneth, it falls into a thousand crystalline pieces raining to the ground. And that is enough to kill this thing. Oh, right. Hell yes. Okay. We turn then to Daggett. Daggett, you are face to face with this cold drake, Gisat. I have good news for you. It has no parry rating. It is a gigantic creature. Great. It is not hard to hit. Whether or not you can get through its very, very immense scales and armor, that's a different story. But to hit the thing is not the difficult tactic here. Uh, I'm taking seven audience dice. I see. Uh, because I'm in defensive, it's not as many dice as I normally get, so that's a little sad. Okay. But Daggett is very scared for his life. 
and he's just thinking he's got to buy some time and he he begins to stop thinking basically he goes into that primal fighting mode that he used to do a lot more often before he was with the fellowship and he is just charging attempting to get underneath the drake hopefully towards the back legs just hoping to try and stay away from the mouth and the front claws as much as possible Right. Uh, that is cocked. Uh, that is two successes. Okay. Um, Let me know what you'd like to do. Nine. Like to do? So I'm going to spend the extra success to make it piercing, and then it's going to okay. just be the seven endurance. All right. So I'm going to roll a protection roll against uh, what's your target? What are you uh, trying for? 18. I think you'll get it. I think so too. I have a lot of dice. Uh, nine. I am rolling good already today, guys. 17, 20, 22, 20, uh, 26. Okay. Uh, how, yeah, what's the total, the what is the total Seven endurance loss? That's it. I only got one extra success, so I spent it on the piercing. It had just finished its roar. This, this kind of secondary roar where it had just spat out this poisonous breath over basically everybody within, uh, not everybody, but everybody within like kind of the Eastern quadrant, the Eastern segment uh, of the of the hall and it turns down to you and it sees this dragon that hacks into its side and manages almost to get through it and you when you pull the blade back you don't see blood you don't see any kind of um, you don't see any kind of um, any kind of residue but you do see a broken portion of its scales and you look back to where you swung and you can see that you have actually damaged uh, its outer bit ever so slightly. Uh, it is not particularly happy with that. As you hear this roar shake and you see the ground where all of the rubble from the eastern wall starts to reverberate. Those of you standing in the hall next to one of these fallen wraiths, you see those little particulates on the ground begin to pop and vibrate. The whole hall shakes. Everyone, for a moment, your ears are almost ringing. And then it looks down and it sees this dra- uh, this uh, this dwarf. Okay. We will turn then to Gilly. What does Gilly do? Um, This is like a raised portion right um i'm sorry what what do you mean by this sorry i was pinging on the map so the stairs lead up to kind of like um there is a balcony you are nowhere really close to stairs leading up to balconies you would have to either go up from the throne uh which means you would be going through enemies and past gulfane or you would have to retreat back to the entrance the southern entrance uh i would say Either way, you're taking up your whole turn to, to, in order to do so. Okay. Um, run to the left. Run then, to the left. Yeah, I'd probably, if I can just like run more this way, further away, and then I'm going to shoot. Uh, okay. Uh, who are you shooting at? I am shooting at the wraith that's attacking Elodin. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, he has been locked in with this one. Uh, he sees Curador behind him. He hesitates for a moment, and you see the Wraith reach out and kind of scrape Elden across the side. And when 
He turns back. His face has become discolored with some strange sorcery. Gilly, you pull back and quickly get into position. You hear the flickers of the fire uh, that sits behind you, illuminating a hall to a different part of the tower. You pull back on your bow and you fire. What do you do with that? So I am enacting my... I'm spending a hope to enacting my distinctive feature, Keen Eye, to get two dice. Okay. Um... And then, Mel, if I can have two audience dice. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, sixes. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Keen-eyed shot. Eladin uh, looks back. You feel a kind of a warmth on your chest as your bow comes up and aims, not at the elf, but at that which is attacking itself, perhaps... Perhaps Kilabrion's pearl is appreciative of this decision of yours. How did, uh, give me the total damage. Um, so I rolled a nine, so it, uh, but it's a wraith, so it doesn't need a roll for a wound. So for... Uh, These things can be wounded, but... I, 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 no, I, I would roll for a wound. This can be actually wounded. Oh, yeah, so roll for I a have, wound, I have please. things that I can... I can sort of mitigate the wound, but I still have to roll technically for the wound. Um, what's my target? Uh, 16. All right, I'm going to burn a hate to get an extra die, just to be safe. Uh, good to go. Uh, that is a 17. Whew, that was close. Okay. I thought it was better than that, actually. <laughs> Started doing math. I'm like, that's not as high as I thought it was. I'm like, I have an 8 on the feet die. That's strange. Uh, okay. Uh, and then the total damage to it? Again, one more time. Uh, so what, 12 or 12? 16. Okay. Because I passed, and then I got two. three sixes. Okay, and you didn't use one of the sixes to create a pierce, uh, piercing nope, blow? No, because my okay. weapon doesn't require that. All right, so your weapon base damage is, uh, four. is four. Then you have a strength of four, which you can burn three heavy blows, which would make it 12 plus four. And as Eladin stumbles a bit, reaches up to his face, which is now kind of looks like it's almost frosting with cold. The the wraith lunges once more, but is unable to get to Elodin as an arrow comes flying over to the top of Elodin's head, buries directly center mass into this wraith. You see it almost fold inward upon itself in this impossible to understand fashion, and it falls to the ground in a thousand small particulate bits, these glowing pieces of sand or ice, and Elodin looks back towards you nods, turns back, and re-enters the fight. Okay. Come to my turn. Oh, boy. My turn. I'm going to start with Gisat, with, uh, with Daggett. Daggett, oh. you, uh, you are a brave, brave dwarf. It's been I a great really campaign, guys. It's been, it's been fun <laughs> having you on the show. <laughs> have an interesting time. I have The orchestra on the Titanic right now. <laughs> I have a minimum... Of three attacks is how I should say that. I have a minimum of three attacks. Ooh. Don't and forget your minus one die because I'm defensive. I know you don't do that with me very often. Uh-uh. Okay. Oh, that's okay. All right. I'm going to begin <laughs> with a rend as it's going to, with the very like arm or leg that you had just attacked it with, I am going to burn a hate to counterbalance the loss of uh, the loss of a die for you being defensive. Its anger grows as you have... You have very, very lightly damaged it. 
Then, let's see what else I can do. So many things I can do, it's ridiculous. These things are awesome. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, first attack, 12, 16, 18, that's a 19 to hit. Actually not good, that was a bad roll. Uh, my parry is 15. Okay, so that hits. I did not get any special bonuses to it. So it's only seven points of damage. As a massive claw comes raking through you, it almost throws you to the ground. You get slammed up against one of these chunks of stone that has fallen down from the balcony above. And it kind of pins you for the very briefest of moments in that place and then rakes its claws through you. Then, with you now kind of more pinned, you see its, its head rears back and this massive maw drops down onto you. And it's going to... It's going to try to bite you. Uh, this one... Okay. This one is probably his best attack. Okay, much better attack. Uh, that's going to be 21, 28 to hit. Uh, there is... I will burn one of these to make that a pierce. And the other one I will make a heavy blow. So, uh, go ahead and roll a protection roll. And I'm going to spend a hate to make it ill-favored as I have horrible strength. The strength of this jaw is so intense that your protection roll will be ill-favored. Your target is an 18. Can we take audience die on this or did we say no on protection? You can, Yeah, you can. You can take it on here. Any roll is fine. Anything but sh right. shadow, I believe, is the only thing that we said no to. Yeah. I'll take the two audience die. I, I won't counteract the favor. What, okay. what am I looking for here? You're you're looking to hit an 18, and you have to roll it ill-favored, and then roll the ill-favored. I rolled a nine and an eight, so that's good. Okay, uh, good start. And I'm not weary, so I don't ignore these ones that I rolled. Sorry, doing math. Uh, no, it's fine. It's fun to 10, do. 10, 19, 25, 29. 29. You are not wounded by this creature uh, now. Nice. Okay. Then uh, you are going to take a total of, uh, hang on, 19 points of damage, uh, excuse me, 21 points of damage from the bite Knock nonetheless. Back. As it crunches down on you and you, as it, as it, the first crunch gets you, your head goes literally into the mouth. You feel this warmth and heat that you have not felt since you have traveled into Angmar, even sitting next to a fire, you have not felt this kind of flame. And you don't, you don't see anything inside other than this terrible darkness and this filth. But as it goes to sort of sort of pull back its jaws to crunch again, you manage to tuck under, roll, and move away from it so that the second crunch does not happen. I am, however, going to use its third attack. Uh, which is a tail lash ability. And I am going to... Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to roll randomly to see who I hit with this one. Uh, sorry, Gilly. It's going after Gilly. Uh, so this, as it kind of emerges from this hole in the wall, you see this long and sinewy tail that kind of comes around with it. And it spins. And as it does so, Gilly, even though you've run and you just fired, you exchange a nod with Elodin. 
And then you watch as his eyes kind of grow wide as he sees this massive pale tail come from behind and try to smash down on top of you. The good news is, is this is my lowest rank hit. So it's I have the fewest amount of dice, but I will take a point of hate to roll an extra die. Oh, God. Gilead, I rolled really well, and I'm so very sorry. That is a 21 to hit. Oh, shit. Okay, knock back. Or okay. you do, uh, that's that's just the to hit. I have 18. Right. 21 to hit. It will hit Gilly. Uh, it's going to do. I can't believe I'm about. Well, you know what? I'm going to spend one of them for an injury. Uh, so I have two sixes. That's why I rolled so high. Uh, so I'll, I'll go. Let's do the, the wound first. So wound uh, roll a protection roll against uh, an injury roll of 18. I will again spend a spend a hate to. Uh, to make it ill-favored, the protection okay. roll ill-favored. Your in, your injury target is eighteen. Okay. Can I buy two dice? Ever, Melissa no. says you can do. Okay. So, ill-favored gets rid of my Gandhi, but I have a six, twelve, oh. eighteen, twenty-two. Twenty-two. You are not injured from this. However, you take 32 points of damage. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's it. No. Even with knockback. As the tail smashes down, and any who were looking back at Gilly the Hobbit, maybe Arineal for a moment you see, and then she's just gone as a massive tail comes smashing down atop her. When it when it moves off as the as the the dragon kind of turns back around and recenters itself over top of Daggett. You see in the ground there is this rivet of where the stone was just completely and utterly destroyed. And the small curly hair of Gilly barely peeks up over the side of where the depression has been made. And Gilly is down. Still my turn, guys. I'm going to go over to Golfane now. Golfane is going to, with one of his actions, he's going to again blow that horn. And you can hear uh, as he does so, it kind of echoes throughout the hall. He's got in one hand his big weapon. He's got his other hand. He kind of calls out to it. With another one of his actions, this is going to swing down uh, at you, Floyd. And you are a dwarf, so his hatred for dwarves kicks in, so his attack rolls are favored. Uh, then, okay. Uh, here we go. I will... I will burn a hate to get an extra die. Okay. Uh, that is not a great rule, but I still think I got you. Um, because I had enough die to sort of counterbalance a really crappy roll. Uh, it's 8 plus 6, 14 plus 5 is 19. 21 to hit. Uh, no extra successes, no special. And so instead, it's just going to be 6 points of damage to you, Floy. Okay. As he brings down his own kind of... You can tell it's got that same styling. As block fong whatever method was used to craft it that that kind of additional element 
of the ash of dragons that caused that coloring to happen, that caused that, in, that imbued the weapon with such ferocity is again in this weapon he now carries. I would say, Floyd, you are adept enough at crafting to recognize that the weapon he wields is not as elegant as the one that Daggett carried for so long, as if it is a pale copy of someone who has tried to tried to mimic that which he has seen or read or heard about or been taught. And then he swings again with it. Um, God, that's another not great roll. However, I did roll a nine and a six and a bunch of bad stuff. Um, 22 to hit this time. Um, I'm going to attempt an injury roll. Uh, so go ahead and make a injury rating against 20. And let me see if I can do anything to that. All right, I have four of my protection, and I can add my valor, my beat the rule. Yeah, I don't think I can do anything with him against your... Yeah, that's only... I can only do that with a, dra with a drake. So it's just a straight-up roll. Got a 24. Okay, so you will not take an injury from this. It did actually have an injury rating of 20, so that was a good roll. Uh, and you, again, take six more points of damage. Uh, from your or endurance loss, I should say. That is the end of that round. As the dust settles from where the stone ruptured and the tail of Gisat, the cold drake, begins to slither around the room, moving over top of Gilly's body again, moving over top of Curador until... It recenters itself, this time it's face down towards Daggett, but in an angle as if it's starting to position once more for its, its breath weapon in a way that can maximize its efficiency. Gulfain's war horns had been echoing and echoing and echoing. And those of you that are close enough can hear the sound of a creaking door and heavy footsteps. When you turn and look, you see... Not one, not two, uh, but three darkly dressed, darkly clad, darkly armored, stocky figures, much like those you saw in the Yard of the Dead, as you can see, running into the fray, running past Gisette, not even really hesitating as they move past Gilly. Dwarves, you presume, wearing the same kind of dark armor that Golfain has. As they run into the room, you can hear... You can hear Golfain begin to laugh again, Floy. <laughs> oh, Floy of Gladrock, where are your allies now? To me, my brothers, our first victory is at hand. And as they're running and running, you can see that two of them begin to sort of spread off. One kind of in the direction it looks like of Eladin. One perhaps in the direction of what looks like Daggett. And then you see another one that seems to kind of run. It looks like it's running at Floy. But at the last second, as it leaps and lifts his weapon, those of you see that it is not one of these dark axes that is carried by Gulfain and his members, but instead a crude 
and heavy mattock. As a familiar voice shouts out, I have but one brother, and you are not him! As Snagit comes swinging down, down, down at Golfane, taking a swing, landing in the ground next to you, Floyd. Golfane stumbles back. You see him actually fall to the ground in shock. And as the other dwarves scatter around, you realize they are not what Golfane thought they were. They were not his reinforcements. And Daggett, you hear a familiar voice. You think you're not sure. It is not Rollin, just another one of these Oathbreaker dwarves. And it's, you hear him, Oh, you thought you were going to take this one all on your own? I don't think so. And this, uh, this dwarven oathbreaker joins Daggett in the fight uh, against, uh, against Gisat. And Elodin, who had just watched this Frostwaith get destroyed in front of him, watches as this third dwarf runs past him and charges in at the last of the remaining wraiths. Oh my gosh. As, as they swing... You hear as like Snagit is swinging and missing and missing and Golfain's kind of scrambling up the steps. You can hear him. He, he just sort of, sort of screams out loud, and and he's just he's just like now, no! and we move on to the next round. So you now have three new people in the fight. Uh, I will go ahead and replace the images of the folks as Snagit you'll see is up by Golfain. Uh, and you've got two other Dwarven Oathbreakers. Not the whole group, interestingly enough, as they have not all come here, but only a handful. And then... They are rebellious. Dude, I love that you said that, because that's literally why I brought them here, because I don't <laughs> think they would have followed the order. I don't think Snagit would have followed the order. You even said that last session that Snagit didn't want didn't yep. to go that way. We move oh, into a right. we move into a new round. Sadly, Gilly has fallen, but you do have allies in the fight that can be used. I know it's getting a little complicated, uh, so remember, I'm going to go ahead and sort of make invisible Aradin and Curador so they're not confusing us. But remaining in the fight as enemies, you can see there is Golfane, Gisat, the Cold Drake. And one more wraith. Elro here has been dueling this uh, this last wraith. Daggett, you've been trying to stumble away from the Drake, but the Drake, after possibly killing Gilly, has has eyes for you. And Golfane, anger now grows, uh, but he nonetheless is now outnumbered on his own dais. Uh, what would you guys like to do? Let's go into. Uh, let's go into the order we got tara and floyd do you remain in forward stance yeah i do and now that we're uh outnumbering them can i um also go on goldfane or is that so uh the way it's supposed to go is that we kind of do it in order and we kind of assign targets one but you guys do have allies so if we start and we say floyd is on goldfane we can then say one of the Oathbreakers goes on to the Cold Drake. One of the Oathbreakers goes on to the Wraith. Then we come to Terra. Terra can go on to Golfane if she would like. Okay. Yes, uh, thank you. Then we've got Arineal, Elodin, uh, and Elro here. So Arineal, what would you want to do? 
So I'm guessing that we can't just sort of all go on Golfain. So someone else is going to no. have to, by the rules, go on. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say somebody has to go on either the Wraith or uh, or Gisette. You can just say that if you want, you can keep, you can, if you would like, you have you have two elves and you have a dwarf left to sort of assign, but right now I two of like them are assigned to, to the Wraith. I would, because of the dwarf issue, I would like to send Elodin to Golfain. Okay, I'm going to say that three maximum on Golfing, just because of the way the fight is out. Three maximum. Okay, so right so now, the maximum is on him. Yeah. Understood. Uh, okay. Renil is going to go to Gassat and call Elodin with her, leaving Elrahir and the other dwarf on the race. All right. And because Gassat is so large, I'll say four on Gassat is perfectly fine. <laughs> He's is so large. One of That's the fine. NPCs, could they be assigned as a healer for Gilly? Like to get the back up? Yeah, that's not how. Uh, no, that's not how they're particularly okay. useful. Uh, okay. So, Reniel, if you do Just go on the wraith, thank you. No, you enough. have a chance to take it out this turn. The NPCs aren't really going to be able to take it out. So that's something. To oh, consider because too. of the because of my weapon. Okay. All right, okay. I'll stay on the wraith. Uh, Reniel grumbles at the captain's logic. Yeah, gets spits out blood. <laughs> says, "I got this." <laughs> okay. So we start with forward stances. We've got Terra and Floy. You are with Snagit on Gulfane now as he is swinging wildly with his Matic. Uh, you all, I will say, uh, because Snagit is here, we'll just say you guys can both take a point, uh, one extra die as you are outnumbering Gulfane. So on your attacks, Floy and Terra take an extra point as the three of you are effectively outnumbering him. Um, Whatever order we like. We'll say, Floy, you were here, you were kind of engaged first, and then Tara came. So, Floy, why don't you go ahead? What would you do? And how do you react to Snagit showing up? You've made it, cousins. You see, Golfain, there's nothing here for you in the shadow, only cold and loneliness. So, I try to gut check him with the butt of my axe. Okay. Oh, yes. Go right ahead. Still parry of five. That hasn't changed. Good old regular success for seven damage again. Seven more damage. Okay. Long, you can use dice. The three. Uh, I rolled like seven of, already. It's just unlucky. <laughs> he is. You guys are can, kind of sort of pushing him, and 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 sort of he's he's really kind of at this point in this kind of defensive thing where he's using his weapon in a in a in a, in a way that he doesn't particularly care to, and you can tell Floyd. He is still angry. He still comes across as confident, but there is a slowness to his reactions. He does seem to be getting worn down a bit by the onslaught. And now this this turn where is Snagit and not his own allies that have arrived has thrown him for a bit of a loop. Uh, Terra, you can see that Floy has given you an opening. Uh, what does Terra do? Uh, I'm going to take that opening. And okay. um, tell me how many dice again to make it favorite and get two extra dice. Okay, so seven, if you want the total maximum from audience, it's seven that you would spend, which would give you um, a favorite and two bonus audience dice. Yep. Sweet. Someone needs to uh, take a die from Snagit, too, for being the companion there. I I gave it to them. I'm giving it to them both because he's effectively creating an outnumbered situation. Do we have enough, uh, Mel? We have had people dropping so many. uh, Amazing. Then I'm definitely going to do that. And I super succeed (laughs) with with two sixes uh, and an eight on my feet. 
All right. Fan freaking tastic. Uh, so eight on your feet die. Uh, do you want to burn one of your sixes for a pierce to increase that and force him to? I will say he's heavily armored, but I do want to point that as an option if you wanted to try it. Uh, a heavy blow, which is just to take his endurance down. It's just, is yeah, it's just option. weakening him and weakening yeah, him that's or what going I, for uh, a a pierce is a wound, though, and wounds. Oh, is it be. okay? Uh, yeah. I'm, he well, gets a protection. It, he could roll though. He gets he a protection roll, and that's yeah. why I was saying. I'm just trying to be transparent. Yeah. You would know this guy is decked in armor. Like he, you can see, sure. he is just coated in it. So sure. what I'm basically saying, I, is I he imagine has a lot of the dwarf dogs. bad guy is, is <laughs> well armored. <Yeah. laughs> you were probably right the first time with all the endurance. I uh, yeah. So all the heavy okay. blows. That's it. All right. Okay. So this. Can you give me the the grand total? Your weapon uh, is five. Your strength so, is six. Uh, Eleven is my normal damage, but five plus six, so six gets doubled. Your your is five is right? your normal damage. Your five right. is the base damage, and then how many sixes did you have? Two. Uh, so then you can use heavy blow twice, which means seventeen points of damage. Okay. okay. Thanks. I will tell you this. For the first time, you do see that he appears to have been, we'll call it wounded, as he he does not expect, coming from the corner, coming from the, the left side of the room, him, his right side, Tara comes running up the steps and almost kind of parkour comes up from behind. He turns at the last second, seeing, seeing your footsteps, hearing the sounds of it echo up by his throne, or... The Witch King's throne, but that which he protects. And he turns and he looks and he sees at the last moment, Terra swinging down with her spear. He manages to get his axe up at the last moment to avoid a death blow. But he has nonetheless taken a very significant hit. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, all right. Orineal, open stance. You stand surrounding this wraith with Elro here and one of these dwarven oath breakers these oath breakers that a year ago perhaps more were deemed criminals by floyd's very family the halls that he hailed from cragstone as well and now here they are in this battle with you possibly turning the tide what do you do arineal uh arineal's uh, when she first heard the shouts behind um, Golfane and kind of heard that behind her, like her heart was just sort of at the floor that like Gilly's gone down and now like we're about to be outnumbered. And so she just takes her relief and just tries to turn it into um, the last bits of just killing this race. So I'm going to take it at favored. Uh, so I've got a nine which I believe is piercing. Um, 10, 15, 16, 17, 18, 25 total to hit. Oh, that's not a problem. It definitely hits. The question is, is how much damage do you do? What are you doing? Okay. You, you've... So I rolled a nine, which means that it's a piercing blow. Okay. And I've got one extra six. Okay. So that what's means the, that it what's is the total 12. endurance? Uh, okay. Uh, Twelve plus four because this is undead again. So sixteen. 
I don't I don't have to roll for injury because it is already defeated. As you come charging up, the dwarf slides across the ground and kind of swings at its legs. You can see that the legs are are, are hanging, but there are no feet. It just sort of lumbers in the air. You can see Elodin swinging away with these long, slender, beautifully crafted elvish weapons. And each one seems to cause this strange reaction as it just kind of cuts and twists and turns. And then Arineal, with the race attention elsewhere, you're able, with Manozagar, whose very purpose is to fight this type of creature, thrusting the sword forward right through its center. And as you pull upward with it, it bursts into a thousand pieces and goes raining onto the ground. All right. As all of the race now all that right. I have thus far brought into the fight are gone. Uh, hmm. Okay. Uh, Daggett, we go to you. You took knockback. Took you knock are on back. the ground. You see your brother running in. You hear his voice. He says he has only one brother and you are not him. As he swings down on Gulfane, you see another one of your brother's allies, an Oathbreaker. You hear a familiar voice. You've drinking, you've drank with the ale. You've eaten with this with this man. You can't see the face as the covering is too thick. But they've come to your aid, Elodin as well, one of these elves of Rivendell, and they seem to be trying to draw the attention of the Drake, so it cannot finish you. What is Daggett thinking, doing? Feeling in this moment. Describe. Daggett sees this. He sees a glimmer of hope. He doesn't necessarily want to act on it, but he sees at least an opportunity. And he would call out to Elodin, actually, who ran over. His dwarven allies, his closest kin are here, and he calls to the elf, who he's never once socialized with willingly. Elodin. Save Gilly. Don't let your mother's pearl be buried in Angmar. Go ahead, if you could, please. Give me a roll. You can take favored on this because you mentioned the pearl. Uh, you can roll whatever social skill that you think makes sense in heart and persuade, persuade, whatever it is that you want to do. That's fine. As I say this, you see the runes on my stone necklace light up. And I burn a hope and make myself miserable, but I do get at least one success. Okay. Uh, so Return. that's two successes total. He hesitates as he has his weapon out, and he looks like he's about to swing at this drake, but you mentioned it. He looks over towards you, the, gl the glow of your runes. He hesitates, sees Gilly. So be it, dwarf. I shall save Gilly. But you shall save yourself. And he runs at that point uh, over towards Gilly to try to lend aid to her, to drag her out of harm's way, whatever it might be. He will tend to it. But for now, he's going essentially scooping Gilly up into his arms at this point. And we come to my turn. A couple things are going to happen. Arineal, as you were fighting this wraith, you noticed this dwarf comes sliding through and swinging at the, the legs of this creature. It hit. You didn't make anything of it. But after you thrust the blade, Minozagar, into the spirit, and as it collapsed to the ground, it's then that you see, standing in front of you, the dwarf. 
And it is a dwarf you've met before. It is a dwarf that you've shared food and drink and song with before. It is not anyone that you wouldn't call anything but friend. And that is not the problem. The problem is that the weapon he swung, it is very, very familiar. For unbeknownst to him, as it was laying there in the cave, no one picked it up. No one put it anywhere out of harm's way. No one warned. And he picked up this great and terrible weapon. And you see a great grin on his face as he sees this wraith. And then confusion as it almost seems that he's just trying to control a weapon that he cannot control. As it reaches up and he lets, he kind of lets go of it and you see it hurtle through the air. Almost as if trying to impale you in the direction of the dais. And it will be an actual attack. With, with the Black Fong. Black oh, Fong. no. <laughs> that is a 10 on my feet die. That uh, is a total of 23. Uh, take six points of damage and please roll an injury or protection roll against injury rating of 18. Uh, and there's something How much endurance? Uh, it is a total of six. Six, okay. As you're managing to get it out of the way, but it does scrape you. It is so surprising and so quickly, and he's fumbling with it in his hands, and it just hurtles across. Like, he threw it himself, but as if he had no control of it. It's a look you might have remembered, possibly, in the Tower of Kelegdor, if the light was enough for you to see it. Yeah, um, and I wouldn't have cleared my wounds, right? I want to make sure that I've got the math here, that I am still wounded. Because I, I have three days. I yeah, think, I believe after. you're. I believe you have it. You have at least one wound. I don't think you have two. I think you might have had Cleared. one wound left. Yes, I think that's correct. Okay. Okay. So I am going to grab. Uh, yeah, I'm going to grab two on this. This is bad. Um, yes, it is. So I'm rolling uh, plus two plus, okay. So it's going to be four D6s. So that is a nine, 10, 16, 19. You're good. 18 was the target total. So a 19 oh. is plenty. You are not wounded. You take six points of damage as it scrapes you as it goes by. It just happens to catch you. You're not even sure if it was trying to attack you because as you turn and follow the weapon across, you see that Golfane is is in the process of blocking with one of his with with his with his right arm where he has his own black axe up, holding back Terra. You can see he pushes her back a bit. She stumbles as we do in sort of a fight. His left hand goes out, drops his war hand, and you see, so he snaps his head back. Lottie's axe, Black Fong, comes right into his grasp, and immediately he begins this frenzy of an attack. His black axe with one hand, Lottie's axe with the other on those in front of him. Okay, so uh, I Gosh. don't see oh, any no. reason at all he won't continue to just attack Floy. Floy, I'm I'm sorry, but he is hatred is dwarves. I don't see why he would turn his attention to Terra. You can make an argument for Snagit, but I'm not going to be the one to do that. So he's going to attack Floy. 
Oh, gosh. I am going to go all out three attacks uh, as he is just whoosh, whoosh. He's got these massive weapons, these huge muscular arms. This is a man who has lived his entire life in this cold, dead realm of Angmar. Imagine just how fortunate he is. Imagine how strong he is. Imagine how much he has endured. And a small treachery that will not stop him. Not after all this time. So three attacks all on. Well, I'm going to start. If you do a knockback, I might switch. But otherwise, first attack on Floy. Favored. Uh, it's a nine on the feet, but no extra sixes. Uh, okay, so that's a hit. Uh, it's, un, it's high in the 20s. Six points of damage as he gets you with the first swing. Second swing comes through. As now it's Lottie's axe that swing in your direction. Same thing. It's favored. Roll the same I'm thing weary twice. now. 10, 17, 24 to hit with an extra six. I will heavy blow it this time. 16 points of damage. And then the third. I'll take a knockback here to have it. Okay. Okay. That's the case. Um, I will roll randomly to see perhaps Terra or perhaps snag it kind of steps in the way as you fall. And so I'm going to 50-50 it just to see which one it is. It will be Terra, sorry, is he's going to swing at Terra. I do not have the favorite attack, though, as you are not um, a dwarf. I'm not sure if you were aware of that. Uh, get my extra die. Eagly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to burn. All right. I'm going to burn a hate. Uh, that's 10, 14, 26 with an extra six. Um, and... <laughs> 16 points of damage. I'm just going to heavy blow it. I'm too far away from, from up here. So 16 points of damage as he goes to swing. He's like, he's one after the other. Hack, hack. Like, there's just no technique. It's just pure fury. As Floyd stumbles away, Tara, you come stumbling back into the fight and just with an, like a, like an afterthought of a backhand with Lottie's axe comes sweeping across and catches you in the side for 16 points of damage. Can I take knockback and eat? You too. Yes, absolutely, as you stumble back towards the throne. Okay. It's now the Coldrake's turn. As he has maneuvered in such a way, you can see... As out of its mouth once more, we see this... This poisonous blue-green breath, not flame, but fog, thick, thick fog that covers the entirety of this slice in front of him. Everybody in immediate contact with him, that includes you, Daggett, that includes two of the Dwarven Oathbreakers, that includes Elodin, that includes Arineal. Uh, and I'm going to say it doesn't quite get all the way up to the dais. So I need Arineal and Daggett, go ahead and roll... And I'm going to warn you, an extremely important protection test. So if you have stuff to use, you should use it because this is a this is a very serious role. And I'm going to do something similar for these poor, poor dwarfs that just came in here. So no man, oh, who to. did you say was sort of protection? Not you. It's going to be a Rineal and Daggett. You're good, Terry. You're okay. far, far enough Thanks. away. I'll take two audience dice. Got it. Okay. Uh, 
I was uh, rustling my sheet in the foundry and thought maybe I missed something. No, you're okay. Okay. What's um, the target number? Target number is a 16. 18. Renial? 18? Okay. Renial, even though you're not utterly destroyed by this, you nonetheless feel the coating of this, this fog, this acid that begins to burn away your cloak, your clothes, your snowshoes. Everything begins to eat and eat away. Only four points of damage. Daggett, how'd you do? Weary, so I had to ignore half my dice, but I got a 20. Okay. You are going to take eight points of damage, perhaps because you were in such close proximity, it was harder to get away and protect yourself. It was it was true also of that brave dwarf in front of you who came charging in, screamed at you, Daggett, you're not going to get this one all by yourself. And you hear... As he spins around, you can see the clothes that he had donned to carry forth this fiction, this betrayal, this ruse to get into here begins to burn away. You can see underneath it the, the patchwork armor so characteristic of the Oathbreaker dwarves, and you can see his beard eat away, his skin, the bone begin to protrude, and he spins and spins. This mist, this smoke begins to waft up from him until he falls down to the ground in utter agony as he failed his test and he has been utterly destroyed. Oh, no. Elro here and the other dwarf Oathbreaker, the one who had carried into the throne room Black Fong, they both passed. And so they take only some damage, not enough to actually kill them. After this sudden change once more. Elodin has Gilly in his hands. Elro here, Arineal, and this third dwarf are ready to rearrange themselves. Daggett, you're managed to scramble back up to your feet with Gisset right in your face. Golfane now invigorated as this ancient axe from his line of dwarves that he sees as ready to ascend is now at long last in his possession and he charges forth with a fury. Each round, the battle seems to go one way and then the next. And as it looks like all might be lost or all might be gained, it's then that you all hear this, for lack of a better word, an explosion. It just echoes through the hall much more than that actual sound really did. And you can hear the sounds of screams and shouts from outside. And not only does it echo, but it radiates with such great force and such great energy that you see the ground and the walls and the ceiling shake. You can feel your feet no longer sturdy. You can hear the sounds of the tower swift and drift and turn in the wind from, the, from whatever reverberation. And it's probably snag it. Next to you, Floy, up at the dais, who yells, Roland did it! He kind of shouts out to all of you, The old dwarf brought down the forge! And he looks to you, Floy, as you're kind of stumbling away. 
with these great large eyes, this dwarf that has far away from your upbringing has could have possibly been a dwarf who a year ago looked to you with venom and anger as you being higher in the echelon than him. And he says to you with this burning passion, Baruch Kazad! Kuzad! I'm And he turns back and he stands in the way as this, this, this chopping, crazed lunatic comes swinging at him and stands between you and certain death, holding up this old, grimy mattock that he worked with as a child and is the last line of defense between you and this, this gold fane. Before you're able to get up and move around, you see on the ground cracks begin to form. The entire tower continues to shake. The walls begin to crumble. You see the sky above you as a fracture in the ceiling comes open. A large fissure runs through the floor. I need everyone to make an athletics test, except for you, Gilly. It'll be Elodin's. You can roll it for Elodin if you want. D12 with three D6s, Gilly. Target number of 14. All of you roll an athletics test as the room begins to fracture, as whatever the dwarves, those crazy dwarves did in the forge fires, has now blown free and onto this tower. Success. Question. Can yes, I sir. spend a hope for a magic success when I'm already miserable? Uh, is there rules that say you cannot? I don't think so, but I just wanted to double check. Uh, okay, so you're talking about I have four hope, hope, so I have the hope to spend. So there are specific situations like daunted when you fail particular shadow tests where you become daunted and you cannot spend hope. That is a case okay. in which I know you can't, but you are not daunted in this case. You are just weary. And I don't think weary precludes the spending of hope. If I'm wrong, I don't care. Go ahead and spend it. Okay, I spent the hope. Um, however, I am miserable and I rolled a Sauron, which makes it an automatic failure. Oh, crap. You rolled a Sauron. <laughs> So it's an automatic failure with a magic success. Okay. <laughs> that is weird. I don't know how that works. That's <laughs> up to weird. you, Jeff. I think it's an automatic that. failure. I know exactly what's going to happen. It's fine. Let's go through it one by one. Floyd, how did you do? Success. Gilly, how did you and Elodin do? Uh, Elodin had an extraordinary success. You can see as the as this rupture comes across the ground, as part of the balcony comes falling down, he is able with characteristic elvish dexterity to leap and he puts one small foot on the rim of this brazier that holds this blue green fire and leaps onto the balcony and off the floor the balcony is still shaking but he has managed to get keely up to a higher level arineal how did you do arineal failed a gosh darn athletics test okay <laughs> i rolled a one and an 11 so i'm keeping the one i'll come back so to that you. It Sauron. okay Daggett will come back to you. Daggett and Arineal will come back to you with your fails. Tara, how did you do? Uh, success with a six. Okay, excellent. Tara, up by the dais, you can see no fissures have like have started to form. It's it's basically all on the floor across the room. You can see these gaps are starting to form. Instead, the ceiling begins to fall, chunks of it falling down, cascading against the, the, the throne, and you can see parts of the parts of the stairs themselves begin to get slightly uneven, but both you and Floy are able to keep your footing. Daggett, uh, Snagit as well. Arineal and Daggett, however, 
you are not able to as quickly move. Perhaps, Daggett, it's because you're just stumbling up. Perhaps both of you were a little disoriented from the, the breath of breath of poison, poison gas, fumes that came out of the breath of Gisat, the cold drake. You all fall prone, except Daggett. In doing so, not only do you fall prone, but next to you, right near the edge, right near the wall itself that goes out to open air from which this cold drake entered, the floor has begun to crumble and crumble, and Daggett falls, and all of you see him fall. Now, Daggett, you rolled a magical success as well. So I'm going to say that you don't fall all the way to the ground, but instead you fall at least a floor and you land in one of the rooms, one of those, those sort of empty open air rooms that you all pass as you were traveling up the tower to begin with. And you land with a thud and with sort of terrible pain and you go kind of rolling around. You are going to take some endurance loss in the process. You're going to take five points of endurance loss from the fall. Do you have five to play with, Daggett? Is that even... You don't know. You can't see me. Okay. Mm. We come back to the fight. The room is shaking. It has not ended. The tower, this very spire, has begun to fracture. The room itself looks like it will last not much longer. Golfane... You can tell Floy and Tara and Snagit, his face grows pale and concerned for the first time. He was surprised when the doors turned, but not scared. But for the first time since you've been here, there is a true sense and a true look of concern in his eyes. You're not sure if it's for you, but for perhaps whatever it was that erupted outside, and perhaps it's for this very place. Tara and Floyd, do you remain in forward stance? No, I'm going to change to defensive since okay. I am prone. I'm going to swap this wall. And both of you did tumble away. You're going to be spending your main actions getting back up. Arineal, you also fell, but yours was from the rumbling of the room, which means you're going to be spending your entire main action this round, much like taking the knockback, getting back into position. That's what you're going to be doing. Which means, Daggett, you are also doing the same thing as you have no, kind of not. fallen down. What's that? I am unconscious. The, okay. the fall knocked me out. Okay. All right. Good to know. Let's continue. However, I never actually rolled for Goldfane to see if he actually falls. He doesn't fall. Okay. All right. The question now becomes his hatred of dwarves, at least of the dwarves, the Blue Mountains, the Halls of Erebor, the Iron, the Iron Hills. Does that outweigh anything else? And I believe the answer to that is yes. As he will step forward and he will swing at both Floy and snag it at this point. Terry, you're still kind of stepping up and getting back into the fight. I'm going to say he's going to close in and he's going to continue his his frenzied swinging of both of his dragon-ashed weapons. 
at both Floy and Daggett. I'm going to roll 50-50 on who gets the second attack. Uh, it's going to be Snagit who gets the second attack. Floy, he's going to swing at you. You're in defensive stance. That's going to be minus one to him. He's going to get favored because you're a dwarf. I will... Screw it. I'm going to burn another hate. Get an extra die. And I'm going to swing. Uh, again, not a lot of sixes, but I did get an eight on the feet die. This is going to put me at 19 to hit, Floy. That's enough. He swings down. He charges in. And he says, You vow filth come into my home. Swing. Invade my place. Swing. Charge into my throne. I will kill you, Floy of Gladrock. I will rip free from your chest, your beating heart, and I will serve it to your hobbit friend as I rend free the heads of every hobbit, every dwarf, every elf that dwells in Eriador. And then he turns as Snagit tries to intersect, and he swings two swong string swong str- swings at a, at Snagit himself. Oh, Snagit! I'm so sorry, buddy. That's two sixes. Okay, you can take out Daggett. You can't take out Snagit. Like <laughs> that's just that's a step too far. How much endurance <laughs> does Daggett have? Left. No, in total. What's your total endurance? Uh, total is twenty nine. Okay, well, <laughs> that is 26 points of damage. Second attack goes through. Oh. <laughs> That's also a hit. He swings at Floy, Snagit intercedes, and then Snagit continuing to put the old, rusty, worn, tried-and-true blue-collar manic to work, but he cannot one after the other swing and swing and swing fury and fury growing you can see the foam coming from his mouth beginning to get all over his of his beard you can see the fire in his eyes and finally with one big swing he takes Lottie's axe the very axe that Daggett the brother of Snagit carried for so very long and brings it down and buries it right into Snagit's chest Snagit falls Next to you, Floyd, you see the mattock go free from his hand, and on the shaking ground, it scatters across the stone. You know not whether Snagit is alive or dead, but you know that he is down. We're going to turn to the Drake. Daggett has fallen. In front of him are the targets Elro here, Arineal, and this other dwarf. I'm going to assume that Elro here... And the dwarf probably engaged. Daggett has fallen off screen. Um, I say Arineal, you probably would have had to, just from the numbers game, had to sort of move into combat with the with the cold drake. And so it's three and yeah. three. And the, and the drake is going to attack three times. I'm going to see which one of you gets the worst. The worst is the bite. Um, so let's see who gets the rend first. Uh, the rend is actually going to be... It's going to be you, Arineal. Uh Okay. Eek. The rend is the second worst. It's, I mean, it's all kind of complicated because some of them do a ton of damage. <laughs> it's all bad. Them, it's yeah, all, they're all It's all bad. 
Oh god, that's a one on the feet die. But what 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 stance are you in? Open. Well, I yes, I, I was in open, and then I I fell. I I did kind of I did kind of uh, scoot over pretty fast. The ideas of, of of changing stances. If you would have gone into defensive stance, just say so. Would you have? Um, let me check. Uh, yes, I would have. Okay. All right. I will re-roll my my. D- I rolled really well on my d sixes, but I rolled too many. Um. So I'm going to re-roll Sorry, it with, with four instead of five, which is what I did roll. I still rolled really well again. Um, 20. Uh, actually, 21 to hit, technically, because I got a one on the feet die. Oh, yeah. 21 to hit. Arenial, mm-hmm. um, this is going to be... Um, there are no... Uh, the, the good news is, is that there aren't any sixes. It's just five, 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 five. Uh, but you're going to take seven points of damage from the rend. Then... Uh, let's see who gets the bite. The bite is going to go against the dwarf. Um, oh man. Arineal, you watch as this, this massive maw comes, comes careening down on this dwarven oathbreaker as he charges into the fight. The very one that, that carried Lottie's axe into the fight. You can see he is now using a dagger he just pulls out of his back. It's not a major weapon, just a, a, and he's stabbing away, almost ineffectually so. And he gets bit for 21 points of damage. And you can see that as the bite recedes, the dwarf is gushing blood, falls to the ground, his eyes kind of looking up at you in shock at what just happened. He doesn't seem to be completely out of the fight, but he is he is in terrible damage. This also means that the tail lash, the most damaging of attacks, is going to go against uh, Elro here. I'll burn a hate to get an extra die. Well, here's there's some good news. That's actually a miss uh, on the tail lash as this horizontal swing of the very weapon that took Gilly down comes sweeping across, nearly takes you out of Renegal. Renegal, you duck. The dwarf that had fallen is too low, and Elro here, too quick with his elvish reflexes, goes tucking underneath and, and rolls away, dodging out of it as the tail lash crashes into the wall, and you see even more of the eastern wall of this room erupt and disappear, falling down, and a cold and terrible gust of wind comes through. New round, everybody. You can feel that the The ground is shaking. You can feel that the walls are coming free. You can feel the the very floor beneath you is beginning to undulate in a way. You, Floyd especially, know that this tower is coming down soon. You can see those who look around the room. There is carnage everywhere. There are, there's destruction of stone, blood on the ground, bodies, particulates from where the wraiths fell. Daggett is missing, fallen, it seems, off the side of the tower. You guys can see as the door opens at the far end of the hall, and you can see as Elodin leaps down from the balcony, sword in one hand, Gilly in the other, ready to attack, but stepping through. You can see the very wearied face, the blood-covered face, the tattered hairs of Lady Erisil. Beside her, Udil, the young ranger 
protege of Orofin, the blind man that you rescued within the lake, Lake Ninuial. She shouts to you all. We must flee! And you can tell there's pain in her voice. She's like, The Wardens of Tharbad! The Oathbreakers at the Forge! There's battle in the yard! The tower falls! The deed is done! The Forge will produce nothing! And she falls. And like, Udil comes and bends down and kind of grabs her and pulls her up at this point as it looks like she is in just terrible state. They are at the far end of the hall, cannot help you this round. But they are nonetheless here. The ground is shaking. I would like to know what Floy, Terra, and Arineal are going to do. Went to forward stance to start. At a boy. Terra, Arineal, what are uh, you going to yeah, do? Yeah, I'm going to change your forward stance as well. Okay. I'm going to back up. And then... And stay on Goldfin. Okay, so Terra and Floy are going full offense looking to take out Goldfin. Arineal, what are you doing? Oh... <sighs> Good. Oops. Oh no. <laughs> Sorry, that was too many. That was too much. That was too much. <laughs> when, yeah, much. I, oh, I, I had the same reaction. That was too much. Okay. Um, Renewal really was going to listen to Lady Aracel and like get the hell away from here. And freaking Floy and Tara are not listening. They're both very stubborn and stupid. <laughs> well, Tara is at least. I, I imagine Floy also is. <laughs> I suppose. The question becomes, what was your goal? Was your goal to take down Gulfane? Was your goal to put a damper in the plans of Angmar? What was your goal? And has it been achieved or has it not? And does the threat that Gulfane pose, specifically to dwarves, is that so large if you were to be left alive that it is not enough for Floy, Daggett, or some of the others perhaps to, to deal with? So everyone make your decisions if you want to try to convince somebody else obviously do so but make your decisions and we'll go from there so Arineal I know what Tara and Floy are doing I don't know what Arineal is doing Arineal is bold and swift so she is not me she continues to fight this cold drake okay Okay. So, one of the things I, um, I should have done on the last turn with it against you. Uh, roll a... Where is it? Um, okay. You noticed that when it, it attacked you, it reared back, and you saw beneath the membrane that kind of connects that, that sort of proto-wing that connects its, its arm to the side, to the ribs. You can see that there was a section near that membrane that was not as scaled, not as armored, perhaps a weak spot. So what that means, um, if you were to score a piercing blow on this week, it basically would reduce its protection test. So it's just something you would have seen as, as I spend hate. Uh, and I really haven't been spending a lot of hate with the cold drake, to be honest. Uh, okay. Tara and Floyd. Snagit has fallen, so you're not going to get the bonus from Snagit. But you two are still here. 
Uh, so I will, you obviously will take, they take the bonus just from yourselves as the two of you bruised, beaten, worn. Golfane is before you. What do you do? I'm going to attack and I'm going to take um, all those dice again. So okay. got an audience dice, please. Okay. Love it. Friendly reminder, uh, two-handed weapons, if you heavy blow, you get plus one. Thank you so much. I forgot the last, last time. Um, that is a success with one six. Um, so that'll, if I can heavy blow that again. Uh, sure. Uh, tell me the total. Uh, should be 17, which is what it was the last time, but then yep. the plus two that Gilly uh, just mentioned. 19. To a 19. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Gila. So, as he stands over top of Snagit that he has just taken down, he turns, getting ready to attack Floy once more. Terry, you come sweeping down from the top step and swing and swing as he nearly stumbles over top of the body of Snagit one after the other. And then finally, he's not able to raise Lottie's axe in time to actually parry. And your sword slides through or your spear slides through and you can feel it pierce through that same coat of mithril that Floy wears. However, it's kind of dark and tarnished. Floy, much like the one you used to wear, and you feel and hear him and a bit of blood comes out of his mouth so that the so that all of that foam that saliva that he has been spewing with his speeches now turns pink as the blood mixes with it and falls to the ground but he stands when you pull the spear away a burst of blood burst of flesh comes out as you have actually pierced through his armor and you have you have hurt him he is he is damaged he is wounded, he is he's weary, but he is still up, he is still a threat. But Floyd, it is your turn. Get him, buddy, steady, get him. Steady myself and Cobar's cleaver. He fought well, Daggett, Snagit, Elves Dwarves. I'm gonna put my full strength on this final swing I have here. I'm gonna spend five for favored. Got it. I'm to spend hope, inspired but proud. Hell yes! And I'm gonna roll in the sheet because I don't have enough d6. <laughs> <laughs> okay, humble brag. All right, long humble brag. Yeah, little flex there. Okay, can't cheat that way though, like everybody does. These aren't even d6s. I'm rolling. I just have rocks from outside. I just drop them down. Oh my god, I think you just lagged my foundry. Oh my gosh, that was a fail. Okay. This is why you roll it's in person. Okay. I'm wearied, so all those threes oh, and twos. Is just... None of that counted. Oh my god, I rolled two. All right, it's a my miserable god. fail. So... Wow. <laughs> At least Seven you dodged the eye of Sauron because it was failure. That's what I was going to ask. I'm like, the two, the two goes through, right? Because it yeah. was favored. Yeah, yeah the two goes through. Okay. Whew. <laughs> wow. Floyd missed. Oh my gosh. You Floyd doesn't miss. Floyd, you and see Aaron doesn't miss athletic tricks. What the fuck? <laughs> you That's see the true. perfect opportunity, Floyd. 
you see as he stands there, almost looking at his own wound as if to think, I don't bleed. And you go, and he's just standing there free as day, his defense is down. You go to swing. You stumble a bit. Throws your balance off. You hear the clatter of your boots on the stone. It's enough to get his attention as he turns back up and at the last second is able to fend off Kobar's cleaver. Not with not with the with Black Fong, but with his own his own crude version of it. As he keeps it up, throws you off balance, and your swing goes vertically down into a now fracturing stair. As again, everything rumbles. It was a huge miss. We're going to go over to Arineal, I believe, is next, who is also I in force stance. I switched myself to forward because oh I'm, almost out of, I'm almost out of endurance, so I might as well. Okay. Because I'm down to 10, so like even having it is probably not actually going to matter. So. Okay. Go for it. I uh, did that quietly when you didn't notice. Uh all right, I'm going to, let's see. I got to math this. Uh, 23. Oops, don't mind that. I forgot um, I didn't drop the two of them. One, two. Okay, so I'm taking that favor. Yeah, I'm taking everything that I can. Uh, thinking six. When it does that. Okay. Sorry, I was messing around with Fadger there. Uh, um, sorry, uh, there's, I, I have two sixes so far. I need to roll two more d6s. So, so far my total is 6, 12, 18. And I got to roll two more d6s. So I've got two extra sixes so far. 18, 19, 20, 25 to hit. Okay. Uh, it has no parry, so all of that hits. Okay. I did not go, go ahead and... get a pierce, unfortunately. Um, and this is not undead, so it's just going to be uh, do, 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 5 plus 7 plus 7. So 19. 19. Okay. No piercing blow or anything? Unfortunately not. Um, you swing away trying to slide underneath the arm, trying to cut through the membrane, trying to get to that weak spot, but you're not able to pierce it completely. You cut, you bl- and you even see a touch of blood finally appear for the first time. For the first time, this creature has been... The, by- the defenses have been even slightly bypassed. And it, it screeches in both maybe a touch of pain and anger, but it nonetheless seems to persevere. And we will go then to their round as, oh goodness, as the cold Drake and as um, Golfane continue to swing away. I have two targets. He will, for one of his actions, blow his horn once more. He will drop his own axe, pull the horn as if he's trying desperately to call for aid that has not as of yet, come. You've heard from Lady Aracel that there's fighting going on in the Yard of the Dead, perhaps that is keeping some of those reinforcements from coming. Your own party below is 
drastically outnumbered, you would know. So he will then use with each of his attacks, he will attack one of you each time. That's what he's going to do. He will have favored against Floy. He will say to you, Floy, You have had your chance. Both in this age and before. You have had this chance in this battle and you have failed. I will not. And he swings. He's not wrong. That is a 24 with two sixes. That hits, Floyd. That is going to be... I will put it... Uh, let's see. I'll just put it all into damage. 26 endurance loss. He knocks Holy me out. Holy shit. And another dwarf falls at the feet of Gulfane. You see... Floy come to rest next to Snagit, who, whose body is just pouring blood out of where the axe came down. Golfane turns to you, Terra. Terranith, you have no fight here. I see in you the same hatred for this world. There is no reason for you to die here. You join me. I need those with your prowess. The orcs, they are but tools to throw at the masses. Trolls are mere strength. Even the Olag High have not the intelligence. Join me now, Terra, and I shall let you live. This is your only chance. Do I have a chance to respond, or is he going to... Yeah, no, no. I mean, he's going to swing if you say no, but he's letting you answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, she looks at him and looks down at Foy and looks at Snagit. And sees Gilly, sees Irenio, does not see Daggett. And she looks back at him and spits at him. He will swing then. A pity. Uh, but because you are not, as we've discovered, a dwarf, this is not favored. <laughs> you are enforced. She's not eloquent. <laughs> She's direct. I rolled. I rolled three ones. <laughs> I rolled a total of a 13 on this attack, Tara. How's that? How's that for How you? the fuck that misses? Why the fuck does that miss? Well, it's because I rolled three ones on D6. Uh, then I rolled a three on a different D6. Then I rolled a two on another D6. And then I rolled a five on my feet die, uh, which yeah, is a grand no, total of that, 13. That is, it, it doesn't even sound right when I say it. I know. <laughs> That's so many dice. That's I like mean, Floyd's roll with all those ones and twos and threes. Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad because that, that could have turned the tide. <laughs> <laughs> 
He swings, you step out of the way, maybe with like a last like gasp, Floyd's like kind of kicks out with his leg, just causes him to stumble ever so much. He swings down at you, Terra. The the axe comes down slow. You get the shaft of your spear up. You block it away, spin and drive him down to the shaking dais. As you're down here, you see. Can I just do one thing as yeah, I do course. that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as I bury him down. That's it. Just just a sardonic bitter laugh. (laughs) The Drake. (sighs) 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 And the breath comes out once more. I need a renewal. Yep. Elro here and this other Dwarven Oathbreaker to make extremely important protection rolls. Arineal, use everything that you can get your hands on. Fucking do it. Yeah. Um, Elro here with the freaking Gandhi. With the Gandhi. It's like he's got plot armor or something. The sons of Elrond, they're in the books. They gotta make it. The dwarf (laughs) got an eye of Sauron. That's not good for him. better than me throw. If you're up to 20, you're fine. You don't (laughs) just get to 16. You still, however, will take uh, some damage. Uh, So you take two points, or excuse me, two points. You take two D6s. So anybody who gets hit by this, you take two D6s for a total of five points of endurance. So I rolled a three and a two. Five more endurance to Arrhenium. As you're close, and you see next to you, for the second time, one of these poor dwarves who came to your aid has has fallen, has been consumed by the breath of this cold drake. Elro here, he looks worse for wear, his elvish garb showing beneath his his winter clothes, the protections and the camouflage that you all have been wearing as you've moved around and has been burned and burned away. And at last we are left at this point with Elro here in Arrhenial on Gisat. We see Terra and Floy. Not even Floy, really, as he has fallen. And we see just Terra on Gulfane. And I need everybody to roll an athletics test. As the floor gives way. Okay. Even me? <laughs> you automatically <laughs> fail it, buddy. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. As success for the six. Okay. I am going to say bad words. Um, (laughs) Uh, Tara, since you get an extra bonus success, I will give you an option here. There are two dwarves next to you. You can see the ground gives way. Basically only the throne, the dais seems to stay intact as everything else starts to fall. You can spend that six to grab one of them. The other will fall. Who do you God take? Damn it! Um, do you take your best buddy Daggett's brother? Yeah. Or do yeah. you take Floyd? Fuck. Fuck. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Floyd. It doesn't. Uh, I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> no, it's the right choice. I'm you start sorry, to man. 
you're 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 at it. You're 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 basically out of consciousness. Your eyes are barely flat, you know, fluttering open here and there. The ground gives way. You feel yourself fall, and then you feel a pressure around your ankle. For a moment, the world, the earth, is gone beneath you, and then there's nothing but blackness. As Tara, you grab his ankle and pull him up to the steps. As effectively, this entire floor has crumbled. Arineal, how did you do with your athletics test? Freaking failed. Rene, you try to run and leap towards one of the balconies that still seems to be intact. You leap, but you fall short. And you fall to the level below. Elro here. Elro here manages with his normal elvish dexterity as he is running with you. He is able to actually reach up and hop onto the balcony. Arineal, go ahead and take five more points of endurance loss as you That's crash into the ground, into the floor below. Arineal is down. There is now technically nobody attached to attached to Gisette. There is, wherever you see ground in the middle of this map, is no more. It is all kind of collapsed. Everything goes down further. Only the dais and the balcony have stayed up. I will say that at the bottom of the map, uh, the rangers were able, because they were close enough to the stairs, to able to get up to the balcony level uh, to keep from falling. Uh, Lady Aracel is in terrible condition. Or, uh, Orphan's protege, Udil, managed to carry him up. So technically, there are two rangers here, that they, but they have no way of getting to Golfan currently, but they can perhaps help with, with the cold drake. We're going to come to a, a new round. Tara... You are toe-to-toe with Gulfane. Arineal, you have fallen. Daggett, you have fallen. Gilly, you have fallen. Floy, you fell. You were caught. You were brought back onto the steps, but you are unconscious. Tara, you are literally the only member of the Fellowship left. You can see from the wound that you gave Gulfane, he is spewing forth blood. He is moving slow. He is labored. The cold Drake Gisette had no issues with the falling of the floor as it quickly leapt and crunched about. You can see the ceiling is starting to fall, which is starting to give it a bit of annoyance as it occasionally a stone or two falls on top of it. But it chases after, not Arineal who falls, but it chases after Elro here, the son of Elrond. Uh, and so you see it kind of crunch, half, half crunch, half slide across the, uh, cro- across the hall. Tara, are you staying in forward stance? I actually changed to defensive to make him have one less dice against me. Okay, and that means you also have one less dice against him. That's fine. I'm going to burn a bunch of audience. Okay. <laughs> so you know we are down to 14. Oh, okay. okay. Then, so, I mean, uh, you're the only one up, so you can literally the only one who can spend them. them. <laughs> oh, uh, so you can get two rounds okay. of seven. Cool. Uh, can I get two oh. then? I don't know if there's going to be two rounds, guys. <laughs> I'm just saying the, the most you can take one apart. round of seven. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Then can I do that? I'm going to take seven. Yep. Is that okay? And then you'll have seven left for defense if you need to grab two for defense. <sighs> okay. Okay. Tara, I'm just going to go right to you. 
Make your swing. Success with a heavy blow, which is 19. 19 points, huh? Yeah. As the two of you are standing at the edge of the dais, as you've pulled Floy back up and he and he kind of rests next to you on the floor, Gulfane once more, this renewed sense of energy comes swinging away at you. You whirl around and use the momentum of his charge as you just hold the spear up, crouch down next to Floy, bracing yourself as Gulfane, with both weapons drawn, getting ready to leap and swing both down. You thrust the spear up right into the place where you had stabbed him before. But this time you feel it give way immediately and then goes through and you feel a sudden pop as the spearhead slides through the body. The dwarf continues to slide down the shaft until he stumbles into you. His swings of his weapons coming down and effectually raining down on you. There's no force behind them. You feel and you hear him. Oh, no. 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 As blood begins to pour from his mouth, you feel a snap as your spear breaks in half. And he rolls over to the side of the stairs. And for a moment, he's laying there, his eyes open to the sky. Now that the ceiling has begun to break away, half of your spear sticking out of him. And he just reaches up. And then rolls off the side and falls. Gulfain has been defeated. In that moment, those of you still conscious, those of you still awake, you hear the roar of the dragon, of the drake once more, as it looks down and it sees a few floors below the body of Gulfane. The ceiling continues to fall, pelting it left and right, stone block hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. And you can see it's growing frustrated and annoyed. And it leaps across from the balcony on the western side to the remnants of the balcony on the eastern side. And it climbs out of the opening in the tower, freeing itself from the raining of stone. It is not defeated. It is barely even wounded, but it cares not to have a tower collapse upon itself, especially when its master has now been defeated. For now, at least, it is out of the fight. I turn back over to you, Terra. You are standing here. You have a broken spear in your hand. Floy is next to you, breathing. Snagit has fallen from the floor. Arineal has fallen from the floor. You know that Elitin managed to escape with Gilly. You see Elrohir, the elf, up on the balcony, looking at you, eyes wide, as if awaiting a command. You see Lady Erisil, who you once had words with, but who has earned your respect, and she, yours. You can see the young Udil as well, waiting 
Roll for me either an awareness or a scan test. Tara, it's your your choice. Okay. Okay. Uh and awareness. So I'm I'm favored on that. Um Okay. Uh, that's a success with the six. With one extra six. Okay. You see below you a rineal. I would say a story below. Her body is not yet covered by stone. You can see that she is effectively at the entrance. It seems to some kind of, uh, some kind of hall, some kind of chamber below, but she is there 15, 20 feet below you over on the eastern side of the wall where the eastern side of the tower has crumbled and there's just, it's just open air. You can see the body of a dwarf. From this distance, you're not sure who, but you see the body of a dwarf on the edge. You can see that it is precariously close to that edge, that it could at any moment, if the rumbles of this tower go wrong, could just very easily slide and fall down. You also hear the sounds of war horns. Not just the orcs, but you can hear the horns. The rangers that you know so well from the angle, as they are calling desperately. And even Lady Aracel, as you're, as Terry, you're taking this all in, perhaps numb for a moment. The ground is shaking. You just killed Gulfin, and you hear finally, like, breaking through that numbness. Terraneth! We must go! And her voice breaks. Tara, what do you do? Uh, yell back immediately. Help me, help me get them. And uh, she immediately leaps down to try and, and get Irineal out, uh, gesturing that Alden should get Floy and that the okay. ranger should get Daggett. Or I will say, dwarf I will sell Elro here is close enough that he can Pardon probably me. leap. That's <laughs> no, fine. They're twins. It's easy to mistake. Uh, he leaps over, and I would say he is capable of leaping from balcony to that dais. The only few things that are still standing that haven't been collapsed to the to the floor below, and he can grab Floy. Then you are hopping down. I need you. It's a long fall, and there's a lot of jagged rock as everything's yep. coming down. Yeah. I need you to run an athletics test to do this without hurting yourself. That's fine. Uh, can I get a couple of audience dice as well? Um, let's have sure. We're running low. Uh, I'm just going to take one because I want to succeed. Um, and I'm kind six. of dead because that uh, one extra was a six. So it's a success with the six. You're able to hop down to the level below. You can see that it's incredibly uneven as partial structures have fallen here as well as the floor in some ways is given and part of it has fallen down to the floor below. And that is how far Gulfane fell. You peek one more time. You see he is not moving. There is nothing happening down there. You rush over to Arineal. You see that Arineal is not dead. You can see that immediately. You can see her chest moving. She is unconscious. She is she is. She's covered in blood. She's her, her clothes have been torn and worn away by the acidity of this breath, but you're able to scoop her, sling her over your shoulder. 
What did you want the Rangers to do? Lady Aerosol, you can tell, is barely able to move on her own. Udil is kind of helping her along the way, like getting his shoulder I underneath. I want moving, them to up. get who I think is Daggett. Okay. All right. They will traverse as best they can the balcony. They will wind around, and you will see they will slowly try to climb down. Uh, I'm going to roll a feet die, and we'll see how this goes. <laughs> and I rolled a 10. It's not a gandy, but it's still really good, as they are able to climb down, and they are able to scoop up the dwarf. You hear Lady Aracel scream, It's Daggett! We must go! Going. Okay. <laughs> At this point, you all, you those those of you that are unconscious, you still remain so. Tara, Elro here with Floy in his arms. You can see the Rangers doing their best to carry Daggett as well. You begin to descend down this circular stair, and you see Tara. There is an army of orcs and trolls in the yard of the dead that seems to be between you and escape you see mountain trolls tall as a building you see cave trolls snow trolls you see orcs and goblins you can see over by the ledge that you that you came down from in the far distance you can see many of yours, some of your ranger, your ranger folk, are kind of climbing up. They're taking taking arrow shots left and right, one landing, one clattering against the stone and fall falling. You have a sea of enemies. You do not know if they notice you yet. You have a sea of enemies between you and escape. You have a tower collapsing on you. You and Elro here, and who now is now joined by his brother Eladin. With Gilly, all of you look out at this at this sea. Tara, what do you what do you want them to do? Uh can can we go back the way we came? Or uh is it between is that you not- and the way you came is somewhere in the neighborhood of one hundred to two hundred orcs, goblins, and trolls that are chasing after whatever Reserves were down here. You also see the forge is in a flaming, massive, smoking crater. Whatever those Oathbreaker did, boys did, damn, did they do it well. Ah, uh, fuck. Ah, uh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Um. At this point, Gilly, Floyd, Daggett, Arinio, all of you roll a feet die. And let me know what you roll. Also, uh, while I'm rolling that, Jeff, what, can you just outline my options at this point? So I either go Your through options. the sea of enemies. What you know is that way. the entirety of their army seems to be chasing after the reserves of rangers and Tharbad wardens and whoever else it is that's climbing up, going back the way you came. They're chasing after you. The southern ramparts have been, it's sort of like where you kind of came from. Your options are to try to find another way uh, to to venture westward, to venture southward, to to sort of just 
if you try to go back the way you came, you're going to find yourself in a sea of enemies. Okay. So it's really about okay. trying to kind of stealth or explore or venture. You know, you remember as you're descending that there was a walkway that connected this tower that's crumbling to another building to the west. You do know that around the third floor, there was a walkway connecting to that. Uh, I'd love to try and either find that walkway or a different path. And um, if I might use the explore skill, because I have a distinct feature that gives me magic success on if I use that. Okay, go right ahead. That's fine. Uh, Floyd, how'd you do on your feet die roll? A two. You are still unconscious. Gilly, how did you do? A one. You are unfortunately still unconscious. The tail swipe was intense. The hardest hit you've probably ever had. Arineal. A Sauron. A Sauron, you are still unconscious. Daggett, what did you roll? I also rolled a Sauron. No! We just went in progressively worse order until we were at (laughs) rock bottom and we stayed there. I find it amazing that we're now in the finale and you guys have been rolling rocks the whole campaign and I get two, one, Sauron, Sauron. Damn. Tara. Uh, Success with the candy. Okay. And that's a magical success. You find in front of you as you're winding down and you decide to go a different path, like you look out the eastern window, you see that swarm, that army closing in on the eastern and southern sections of this keep. And you try to venture westward. Maybe, maybe you can sneak past. You find this walkway. You see it crumbling in front of you. You see it collapsing as this whole tower is sort of wobbling and wrenching free. I would like you, if you could please, Tara, to roll an athletics test as you go running across and following you are the elves carrying your friends following you is lady Arasil. following you is udil as all of you scramble and scramble across this bridge uh that's feedback no, no it doesn't matter i do uh, have just a, a regular something i'm using success. with saurons regular Pardon? success i was gonna say there is something i'm using saurons for I will oh. reveal it later. Oh, uh, I, all... I didn't get one. Day oh, yeah. No, no. The rest of them did. Okay. You managed to get across. And as you do, you step onto um, kind of a, a an exterior balcony with no railing that just wa- wraps around this building that is kind of this tiered, what looks like ziggurat of, 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 some, of some shape. And you can see as you step across, you hear the sounds of of the building imploding behind you. You turn and you watch as the spire collapses inward and downward. And as it hits the ground, an eruption of dust and stone and dirt and ice and the entire eastern side of Karndum has this cloud over top of it. Now, more than likely, some of the army was squashed beneath it, but there's so many of these, these, these villains. You look off to the south of you, you can see probably a couple hundred yards away the main gate that leads out of Doom. Perhaps even Lady Aracel mentions its name. And then you look off to the west and you can see the ramparts. Do we risk 
the throat of desolation? Do we try to climb the western ramparts? A terror, I fear. I might not leave this place. You are the senior ranger. It is your decision. So your options are to risk going straight out the front door through a place called the Throat of Desolation or to try to climb up and over the broken ramparts to the west. <laughs> gonna, I'm sorry, my uh, train. No, no, that, that's fine. Rolling. I'm just trying to, trying to, God, I'm, I'm. There's no bad choice. There's no wrong no. choice here. <laughs> They're um, all bad choices. <laughs> like the enemy is correct. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> if you make a choice that gets us all killed, though, that's a bad choice. God damn it. <laughs> they all no pressure. got themselves killed, and you're just trying <laughs> to prevent it from happening. Uh, I'm going to go through the throat of desolation because terror doesn't... She believes in her ability to brute force things. <laughs> okay. Tara, I would like you to roll a stealth test. Uh, there are so many enemies around that athletics is not probably the the, no. the, the test here. This is about if you get if you are seen and if you are caught, you will be surrounded. So it's a question yeah. of trying to go unseen. And this will be the uh, last roll I ask of you. If you can pass this roll, I will say that you will get outside of Karn Doom. Onto the tundra of frozen souls. Well, shit, in that case, can I have audience size? Sure. You can have, do you want one or two? Uh, two, please. Okay. Uh, Griff dropped five more. Did you see that? Did we spend them? I did. Yep, so now we're at nine. I'm glad I fucking took those dice, man. Uh, Success with the six. You watch as a... Mountain troll goes storming past you. And the thing is 20 feet tall. You feel the earth shake beneath your feet. It's racing over in the direction of where this tower fell. It's racing towards where a horn of some kind is, is, is just echoing from above. You hear the sounds of orcs and trolls shouting. You see infighting taking places, leadership squabbles, orc taskmasters unable to keep their trolls doing exactly what they're supposed to do. You see goblin archers on the, on the ramparts themselves kind of being attacked, it seems, and harassed by this cold drake that has left the tower and now looks for another place to roost. And in that commotion, you take the bold choice and you go for the throat of desolation, for the main gate, the only entrance that is properly situated between the western and southern ramparts. And perhaps Gandalf, perhaps Eru Iluvatar himself, whatever, fate would have it. You are able, with your allies being carried, to escape out of Karndum onto the frozen tundra. You look around, you can see a flat, icy land. You can see mist covering it in all directions. You hear the sounds of havoc behind you. But you keep pushing and pushing until you see Kelik Dor up ahead. It is, it's there, half a mile away. 
you find yourself on a path of sorts, but around you, there is snow, there is ice, and it is, it is kind of roiling in a way, like a, like boiling water. And you see that beneath it, beneath this little film, bodies, frozen bodies of some kind, wraiths just moving about, pushing against this membrane that seems to keep them trapped inside. Every time the mist parts, you see a portion of that icy membrane push forward and reach like they're trying to get to you, but something, something keeps them trapped inside. You reach the ridge, you see Kellogg door below. You see no reinforcements around. You look behind and you can see some of the ramparts of Doom are collapsing in upon itself. And I'm going to say, Terra, you're able to find without much trouble the same caves that you all had taken shelter in after your initial foray into Kelikdor. And it is there, after an intense escape, you are able to collapse to the ground, take a breath. And short time after, each of you, one by one, pain seeping through you, broken bones, torn skin, scars that will never heal, because of the poison breath of the dragon, but you all are conscious now in this cave. Terra, Lady Erosel, and Udil, along with the elves with you. And I turn it over to you. How does everyone react? Terra just lands in an exhausted heap and is probably still asleep. <laughs> and anytime someone tries to wake her, she kicks them. I think... Daggett, go ahead. No, you got. I don't think Daggett would say anything. When he finally comes to, he would look around at who is left, how few are left, not see snag it and just retreat to a corner. Gilly wakes up from her unconsciousness with a scream. Um, Because the last thing she was being crushed into the ground and she sits up and she immediately starts taking inventory of herself and then she touches her acid wounds and she cringes and then does inventory similar to what Daggett did, where she looks around to see who's awake. And she's between Arenial and Floy. And she just kind of grabs a fistful of both of their cloaks of what's left of them. And then just lays back down and takes a deep breath and just rests. I would mutter to myself, well, Fane is slain. Or just destroyed. Just sitting there nodding, looking around. Well done, well done. Orneal's eyes kind of pop open and she took a couple rounds of that acid. So she's in quite a bit of pain, but she is shocked when she looks around and sort of head counts the fellowship and sees that we're all here and she just 
kind of you just see sort of her shoulders slump in in relief and then sort of the secondary kind of reaction as she as Daggett had done looked around to see just how few other people are with us and then you can see just the sort of guilt because every time they've gone into Angmar they have gotten more and more people killed and she'll go over to Lady Aerosil she is um, being tended to by Odile she is extremely exhausted she is wounded she is there but she is breathing and you can see that she is grateful to look up at you but looks perhaps 50 years older than when you last saw her her hair is the tangle no longer tightly bound behind her and she has scars and blood that Udil has tried to clean off but nonetheless she is there I dared entertain hope of our success. We did some of what we set out to do. He was defeated. Zerenial didn't she, see Gulfain go. She like she looks over to Terra. It was Terra who landed the final blow, but she and Floyd fought him valiantly. The Drake still lives. I know not what has happened to the rest of our company. When last I saw them, she kind of looks off to the side. A pair of those assigned beasts fell upon us as we tried to venture into the forge. Your Tharbad allies and dwarves made it inside. I took upon us to lure them away. And so we did. And again, she, she gets very dark at that point. And lost all but what you see of our number. I... She kind of hesitates. I don't know. Where the dwarves and where those men of Tharbad were. When the flow when the forge erupted. Whether they made it free. Whether they are were within I do not know. But the task is done. The forge fires of Khandoom have been destroyed. Its leader has been killed. This is what victory looks like sometimes. It is a hard lesson, but it is one all of us must learn. 
should mend ourselves, but not tarry too long. We should leave this place. There are still many dangers here, and they have not a leader to organize them. There will be infighting. There will be grabs for power. But this place has been dealt a blow. And any who wish to see Angmar risen once more will have to wait for another day. I will take the pain and heartache that has come from this, but find comfort someday, not today. But you are right. We should rise and hope that others found their way out and will meet us to the south. Does anybody else do anything while we're in the caves and resting? I'll let Daggett know of Snagit's last moments, what I saw. He. I. We were orphaned at a young age. He raised me as best he knew how, and yet I felt like I grew up with no family. I thought I could find my own family, as I had with you and the rest. And now I see that I had family all along, and I never appreciated it. And it is too late now. Maybe your brother shared the same regret, and that is why he came for you. That makes it all the worse. I'm sorry. As am I. Well, I promised him to get you out of here. So when we're all able to walk, we'll leave Angmar. I'll say you're all able to rest. Are you looking to rest like an hour or are you looking to rest like a day? What's the thought here? Hour. Okay. Yeah. You rest. Get those of you who can restore some endurance. And you leave. When you look back northward towards Karndoom, pillars of smoke. So much smoke. Black smoke, too. It seems to dwarf the, the kind of the white, the pale gray in some ways. And you no longer see that kind of glowing blue-green tint that so frequently colored the skies, signs of whatever substance they put in the forge. And you venture southward as fast as you can to leave Angmar. 
Who would we say is at this point leading the fellowship out of Angmar? Who would we say is basically tanky, taking point? Jarnata, I would say that she is the, uh, I think, the healthiest of the lot. Yeah, she's got her one endurance that she got back after the other. <laughs> and also she feels incredibly guilty about saying it and doesn't quite know what to say to Daggett yet. Uh, so she is taking point so she can focus on other things reasonably. <laughs> give us a, give us an explore test, Tara, as you kind of enter a path. We're not going to do the full mechanics. We're just going to... I get a magical success from my helm. Excellent. Excellent. And... Your ancestors of Cardolan, helping guide you out of Angmar to Rudauer and southward home. Just a regular success. It is two days of travel. Hard, tired, little, little rest. You are able throughout this time to avoid notice of most denizens. You don't see organized scouts and patrols the way that they were looking for you when you had assaulted Kelligdor. But you do see orcs, goblins, trolls running free. There's definitely a scattering that seems to be happening. Whatever whatever kept them here, whatever kept them working together is fractured. And now they begin to scatter. You have very little concern with running into them in a way that you couldn't see coming as they don't seem to be searching for you. They just seem to be fleeing. Fleeing or whatever. It's two days before you get to the edge of Angmar. Before you start seeing the jagged mountains of Angmar to the north fade into the distance. And it's another day until you see the kind of dark hills of Rudauer begin to emerge. And one night as you have camping, as you've done before in Rudauer, some of you have been here multiple times, you see a light on the hills, just one hill over, a gully between you and that fire. What do you all do? Dagger uh, would definitely go to scout it out. I will join you. Daggett, Arineal, you sneak over in the night. You look off in the distance and you can see a small group of people. Diverse. You see humans, dwarves, elves, and no great number. You recognize one of them. You recognize of all people, Phoebe, your Dunlin crafter dwarf friend. She seems to be talking quite a bit, like lecturing to people. All right, now I don't want any of you all, no more of that doom and gloom. We were successful, victorious. I've lost as much as all of you. 
You still see me putting one foot in front of the other. And make it back. We did what we said we'd come to do. Our friends have died, but so be it. They died so that others may live in peace. Take solace in that. All of you. And enough griping about my cooking. I won't hear it. None of it. And you see that she's just browbeating a mess load of people. It is the most amount of words you have ever heard Phoebe speak. And it's then that you notice that you don't see Thorvald. What do you guys do? I call out from a distance, identifying myself, making myself known so that they're not startled before we enter the camp. They are startled, but overjoyed. <gasps> Dang it! Oh, it's good to see that ugly face in the radio. We thought you would. We thought you were in the tower when it fell. Oh, goodness. And some people come racing over. You see. You see folks that there's not many here. I want to point out there's not many. You can see that of those that have come, of those that are kind of starting to step up from the fire and move in your direction, you do not see Thorvald. You do not see Amdurim. However, you do see two forlond elves, one of which is the grim face of Balavan, who suddenly, for the first time since Sorendir, there is life in his eyes as he comes, stretching his long legs across the camp to greet you. Daggett, you see other dwarves. From the Dunlin colony, it appears to have survived. Thorpen is no more, but Thebe is here. And amongst the Oathbreakers, you see only three. But maybe a small bit of solace is that one of those three who appears to be missing a hand is Rollin. Do the rest of you kind of come after? Do you come do you come with a renewal and Daggett? Do you do you kind of yeah. join Gilly for their signal? Mm-hmm. With yeah. Lady Amdrin. You get him limping over. You can see that there are humans. It looks as though, unfortunately, Arineal, Terra, no other rangers, but Lady Erasil and Udil seem to have made it, at least not yet. It dawns on you in a moment as you're sipping the soup of Thebe, which tastes atrocious. You do not see the tall shape of Timothy Titus, but you do see by the fire with burns along his chin, with his arm in a sling, you see Tharnow staring kind of into the fire, lost and not really saying anything to anybody. And that is who has survived. 
Uh, Tara looks over and, and looks like she's about to go over to Therno, but before she does, she turns to Daggett. Um, can I have a word with you? I suppose. What is it? Kind of. Uh, gestures for them to walk away a little bit more private somewhere away from Earshot. Um, and she kind of looks around when she's satisfied that they won't be overheard. Overheard, heard, pardon me. Um, she looks very uncomfortable <laughs> and uh, bag it would probably happened. be a little impatient throughout this too you would know that he was irritable pretty much the entire trip back uh and his resentful trait definitely would have been showing yeah uh so something happened um when the floor started to give way i was i was not quick enough to save Sagitt. And uh, he would not have fallen if I was. I am sorry. You see a flash of anger come over him. You didn't listen to my orders. You never listened to my orders. This never... We all made mistakes. This is one I will live with. I will live with it as well. Room for another Tharno. I try to sit in the same rocky zone. And so, and so as you you say that, like Tharno, <laughs> Floy? Oh, God, it's good to see you. And he, gets, and he kind of, he feels almost guilty for looking past you at that point. The others, did, did anyone else make it? I, I feel like it's fine. Or is Steven, what was that? Yeah, what did Steven say? Go on, Tara. Thank you. And and without asking if he's okay with it, she will off game. <laughs> I'm sure feel him stiffen. Yeah. <laughs> Arms awkwardly at his side. <laughs> and she uh, yeah. hands over. And we see Tharnow kind of get up, wins a bit. He politely turns I'm, I'm glad you're alive and he kind of says it as he's walking past you and we see Tara we see Tharnow we see an embrace the firelight all around there's people greeting hands being shaken others being hugged people that that were not necessarily the focus of this campaign but nonetheless were there in the background congratulating each other greeting each other giving them condolences receiving news about friends lost did not get recovered and we see this 
happening here and there as your your company is roughly half the size as it, uh, as it was when you when you left uh gilly or Rineal, do you go to anybody do you inquire anything like that Rineal's yeah. gonna go to balavana sorry balavan yeah, yeah gilly would have as well and he looks to the two of you and he has for the first time in some while the same kind of determined and angry look that he had when you first met him so long ago in Forland, when he removed his helm and spoke of Sorendir in front of Lady Ortolos. He just, he seems like a, like a light switch has gone on. Hello? I'm pleased to see that you have Made it out of that wretched place. Palavan, it is good to see you as well. Your counsel and support, your history with battles was useful. And I'm glad to see you on the other side of it. You can see anger kind of starts to show in his forehead a bit and then you can see he kind of exhales a bit and he says Amdrim has fallen this is sad news it is we bring mixed results to our lady Ardolos I even have spoken with the others before before they fell, even now, and the tethers to that place in the mountains seem to have been severed. But Anderim has fallen. He was a better man than I. He looks down at you, Gilly. You can see like there's like a little touch of a smile. I knew you would make it out. Sordir would be pleased. And Gilly just kind of says, I'm so glad you're back. And she gives him like, again, uh, more affection than this? he's used to. <laughs> <laughs> and he is immediately like, required what? What is she doing? She's looking at Arineal. Uh, he's looking at Arineal. What is, what is, and he very reluctantly <laughs> there, there reaches far down to like kind of pat you on the head. There, yeah. there. Hobbit. Well, how, how did you, they said that there was no hope. He like, at that point, he kneels down and he looks at you. And he says, I am not a perfect man. I have made many mistakes in my time. I am not a wise man. For there is much I do not know. But after spending time with you and with the fellowship, there is always hope, Gilly. 
That at least I have heard. And she, she nods. I had hoped you would. Duty called to me. The mountain troll took the ridge down. Your friend, Thorvum, and all the other dwarves, and Amdrim, and my brothers fell. Duty cold, and if I did not answer, more would have fallen. Thank you. I deserve no thanks. But I thank you, little hobbit. And he kind of robotically kind of pats you a bit. And then he stands up. We would not have survived were it not for everyone's coordinated efforts. We are here today because of what you and our allies did. I need no praise. I've done nothing. I was but a weight on the Emderim's shoulders until I was a weight no longer. I am aware of what I am and what I did. And I will help this company return to civilized lands, for that is what he would have wanted. Yes, and she kind of grabs his elbow, nods. And he leans into you and he says, and we should move quickly, for the hill folk are in full strength and they will, I imagine, spread now that Angmar has fallen and whatever leash it had on them is no longer around their necks. Does anybody to... else? Go ahead, Gilly, I'm sorry. We need to warn Nadil and his homestead. They need to move then. Messages can be sent, Gilly. It is time for us to return. Let's gather everyone up. Does anybody else want any other moments with anybody around? I want to give you the opportunity. Any yearning? Uh, I'll say that with the uplug. Uh, and yeah. I do want to, we don't have draw play, but I, I do want to ask after Titus. I would like to know what happened at Titus. And Tharnow explains, and he says, the forge was his a fiery place. There were many dark, cruel dwarves within operating whatever dark machinery they used. But Roland and the other dwarves led us. Lady Aracel and the rangers gave us the opportunity to venture inside. Titus gave his life so that we might live. He was the strongest of us, 
stronger even than these dwarves. He died a hero. And I will remember him as such, and we will honor him as such when we return to Tharbad. Yes. Arunia would like to go over to Thebe. Okay. And she is just harassing. Eat! You need to eat. Don't be foolish. I don't care that it doesn't taste Thiebe. good. Eat. Thebe. No! Hi there, Arunia. Pleasure to see you. I'm glad to see you standing in front of me. And she'll kind of see if this is a hug situation. Uh, fine. You like you, you and humans always hugging, touchy, feely. Ugh, goodness. Thought you were made of stronger stuff. It's I, good to see you. Come on in. She kind of I, pats you like hurriedly. Don't think I've heard more than ten words from your mouth in all the times I've seen you before. You've met my brother, you know how much his mouth runs and runs, can never get a word in edgewise. It's the one good thing, but in person, so I can finally speak my mind. But you can tell, like, she's kind of, it's a dark humor, and you can see that there's, like, some sadness there. And this is just sort of her dealing with it. I... I know that you will keep us all in line as we move further south, and we will keep his memory with us. Yeah, okay. I sure will. You don't go out the way he does all that often. Very rarely do you got that kind of chance. He's one of them mountain trolls. No, one of them mountain trolls just grabbed him clear off the mountain and flung him all the way in the sky. Some stay, he's still flying today. And that's how I'm going to believe it. Dwarves are supposed to be under the mountain, not thrown over it. But if that anyone is... can survive such a such a perilous journey, it's my brother. I'll see him again. That is quite the picture. You're going to have to take over Titus's soup making. Oh, well, I've already started. And I'll tell you, there's a great many critics here. And I'll say this. If I didn't do this, none of them were. It's free cooking and free food for you. What kind of person complains about free? Okay. <sighs> Terrible. How dare they? Awful. How dare they? <sighs> Everyone's got their ideas, this idea, that idea, how it's supposed to be. It's not like Titus did. It's not like... I'm not Titus. I'm David. No. I do it my way. And if you don't That's like right. it, well, then don't eat it. Starve to death for all I care. Yeah, I said starve to death. And everyone's just like, okay, okay, sorry, sorry. It seems like this In has been an argument though, for a few days. Yeah. We need to pack up the pots and the pans and... We must move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. I can go. Okay. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Truth. 
Are there any other moments that anybody wants before we break camp and return to civilization? No. Okay. So, after greetings are, are given, hugs are exchanged, handshakes and sadness, you all eat Thebes very horrific soup but for some reason it fills your bellies just as well as anything Titus might have done if going down a bit less savory the sun rises in the west no the sun rises in the east excuse me over the misty mountains and you all as a reunited company fractured broken somewhat Begin the slow journey across the dark hills of Rudauer. As we as we sort of montage the next few weeks, we just see the different groups, you know, hunting, cooking, cleaning, cleaning up the camp, meeting with each other. We zoom in one at a time. And I've given everybody an opportunity sort of narrate their own epilogue here a specific epilogue to their to their person and i'm going to go in reverse order of the entry into the uh the fellowship we're going to start with tara so as the party now bigger than what you first had when you escaped karn doom continues its trek across rudauer straight shot southward in the direction of Fornos, the rain, the greenway all the way down, perhaps to Coombe and Bree. At one point, we zoom in, we see Terra. And we'll say it kind of fade out from there. Where do we see Terra in the years or months or weeks to come? Uh, so I, I've written out what I think the epilogue will be. And uh, before I start, I actually want to thank Melissa for uh, giving me an amazing idea that I've gone ahead and used. So thank you for that, first of all. Uh, so there is, in in Tara's epilogue, there's a wide shot of Tharbad. And the camera kind of uh, zooms in to one of the town's gate where you see this dashing older Tharnau who has an eye patch and he has he's this commanding salt and pepper type now uh, and he's uh, sitting straight up on a horse that is moving and he's talking pretty casually to a couple of the town guards um, suddenly he looks up having heard hor- like uh, horse hoofies kind of galloping and uh, he, camera falls his gaze to see Terranath, who also looking a little older, but she's got that great Numenorean heritage, so not that much older. <laughs> uh, but she is still wearing very similar clothes to when she was with the Fellowship, like very functional, very utilitarian. Um, and she also has on the cloak pin that uh, Tharnau gave her right before they marched on Agmar. Um, 
she continues writing and he kind of rides out to meet her. Uh, they pull up to each other uh, and they lean in and they give each other this tight hug and this joyful, you know, kiss of familiarity. And they trot back to the city together. Um, and he is saying to her, uh, it is wonderful to have you back earlier this time. And she gives him an uncharacteristically shy smile. And that actually takes him back to one of his favorite memories. And we kind of flash back to um, it's it's outside in, in one of Tharbad's many green areas. And Tharna and Tharnath are standing under a bower. And they're exchanging words of uh, fidelity and love and promise in sort of the, the wedding traditions of Tharbad. Um, and they both look much younger. So this is just a few years after what has happened in, uh, in, in Angmar. Um, Tharnao is wearing these gleaming knee-high black boots and black trousers and this uh, jacket with a crossbody lapel with uh, silver embroidery. Uh, she is uh, wearing this rich indigo dress and, and for the first time probably ever looks quite feminine and, and arguably kind of pretty, uh, which is very weird for, for her. Um, but uh, on her head, she is wearing a uh, flower crown that's made of a few real flowers and a few silk flowers that mimic many of the real ones they passed on their travels. So Reniel went out and actually found the real flowers for the crown and Gilly sketched out and made the silk flowers for them. Uh, she's also wearing these beautifully intricate gold bracers that were hammered by Daggett and inlaid with these sparkling stones with that, that Floyd provided. Um, and so after the, after the wedding, you know, they sit in the Great Hall. Uh, they were seated at the head table. And the whole town's been invited. It's, it's that uh, Aragorn and Arwen scene basically <laughs> and um and you see the whole fellowship and all of their you know their significant others and their loved ones and their families uh, you know in, in the uh spot of honor at front the camera kind of pans around and you see Hollis having a laughing conversation with Lady Aracel and Udil, a couple of new young rangers that are kind of unrecognized, but, but you you know that they are from their from the dress. Um, and the camera kind of pans around to one of the gifts for Tara, which is this gorgeous framed artist rendition of her and Titus. And Snagit and Vinyator all sitting at the base of a tree, and uh, that's that's one of the uh, wedding gifts that that someone has got for somebody who spent time with them at the at Emor. Uh, um, you also see Thardom's family. Uh, Lady Stock is still just as uh, disdainful looking of Tara and everybody else here. She always has been. Uh, Murdoch is sitting there sort of 
quietly seething uh, and looking pretty miserable about about the whole affair. Um, but it's generally a time of celebration and joy. But the thing that makes it really, really special that uh, Tharnawa is thinking back to is that and and something that would actually make everybody kind of talk about this event for years to come was that they were fortunate enough to cross paths somewhat randomly with this traveling bard who is renowned in all corners of Middle Earth for his ability to uh, spin the story and kind of draw you in. Um, he'd make you, you know, cheer for the heroes and boo for the villains and cry for love's lost and and hearten you for battle. Um, he has long flowing brown hair and he has a beard and he's got these um, eyes that kind of twinkle and um, that, that kind of let you know how sharp and mischievous he is. And his name is Jeffrey. And he uh, spends the time singing several wedding songs. But the one that people kind of talk about is his rendition of the Lay of Luthien, which is this beautiful, haunting song about the story of Luthien and Baron, uh, an immortal, immortal elf maiden who married a mortal man and chose immortality for the sake of love. So that's the song that that everybody kind of remembers, uh, sung by Jeffrey. Uh, we kind of uh, flash forward again. And uh, so even though Terranath kind of married Tharnow and they're writing into town together, they both kind of knew she wasn't the type to sit around and sort of be a ruler. And she really leaned into the privilege of her position and basically just went off to meet protection across the countryside, generally getting her hands dirty and clean up the region uh, while Tharbad kind of flourished under Tharnau's reign. Uh, sort of being pretty happy that they no longer had to worry about bandits and marauders and uh, general issues with with living in this part of Middle Earth. And um, I know that was long, but that's Tears of Luck. Jeffrey. It's part huh? of the extended edition. <laughs> okay. Yes, this this is the extended edition for sure. Like these are the extended edition endings. All right. So we we come back then to this this moment in the present where we see the fellowship continuing to travel. Like they're tired, but you're not being harried. Like there's no you're not being followed. You're not being anything. And day or two passes. We see camera kind of shifts over. We see Daggett maybe walking with some of the other dwarves here or there. Rollin checking in on him, telling him stories of this or that or what happened. And as we zoom in on Daggett, where do we see? Where is Daggett's takes us in a couple months or years? So my epilogue has completely changed because of the events of this session. Uh, so bear in mind, it's rethought out on the fly however the trip back before we met uh with phoebe and the rest of the survivors daggett was 
irritable and distant. And once we met the other survivors, met um, Daggett decided to set aside his grieving and he really started to find a sense of purpose in a way. And he began to assert his authority in a way among the other dwarves, not in a like power hungry commanding way, but just after everything they've been through, he, he decided to step up and take a lot more responsibility. And he, he would have traveled with the group back to Bree and he would have had to meet with Gilly's father one last time, Tolman. It would be a very different reunion than the first time they spent time together. Previously, Daggett was very comfortable in the home. He spent an entire winter there. Uh, he basically, you know, he, he would share their food, share their fire, just share the warmth of their family. And this time around, he would actually stay at the the dwarf house uh, with the rest of the dwarves. And he would still meet them uh, throughout the... I imagine they wintered there. Uh, and he would meet them for, you know, meals occasionally. And he retrieved uh, Snagit's stone pipe. But when spring came, Daggett decided to move on. However, before he did, I'd like to imagine that there was a chance encounter with a wizard named Gandalf who was moving through Bree, heading to uh, one of his favorite places, the Shire. And he would have learned his lesson from the previous meeting. He would have learned that maybe Gandalf does have some good advice that could be uh, used to his advantage. And he would have asked Gandalf for advice for his new quest, what he feels is his new destiny. And Gandalf would have advised him to go seek out a dwarven lore master uh, who likely is in the hall of Halls of the Dwarves, uh, probably someplace that Daggett has traveled through many times. And this lore master would be one of the most renowned dwarven war masters, known not only for how great his beard is, but also how lustrous his hair is, how he's got these piercing brown eyes, and he's just the wisest and most eloquent of dwarves. And there's really no good way to name a dwarf Jeff, but this would be the dwarven variation of that. And Daggett would go seek him out for advice on starting an expedition to Zarak Doom to reclaim the dwarven city. Daggett would rely on him heavily for his advice, for his wisdom, and he would spend time with the Oathbreakers, gaining their support, and then going along through all the halls, looking for dwarves who feel that they are not as appreciated, dwarves that have to work a little bit harder for their uh, coin, who feel that they could use a new home to live in, uh, the blue-collar dwarves, basically. And he would set out on an expedition to Angmar once more. Hopefully to clear out Karndoom, possibly for Daggett to put his brother to rest properly, but also to make Zarek Doom a dwarven uh, 
colony again, uh, outpost again. I think we won't answer whether that was successful or not. There's still time in the fourth age. We'll see. We will then, as we're continuing, we come back. We still see this montage of travel, camp, rest, travel, camp, rest, travel. The hills are getting lighter and lighter. Ruins of old Rudauer castles and keeps pass by here and there. Copses of trees and forests and such. We can see greater game beginning to see uh, to see movement once more as the autumn air kind of fills. We zoom in on a, on, on a rineal. And where do we see on our, our rineal in the days and years or however long to come? So you think that you're going to zoom in on a rineal, um, but what you actually zoom in on uh, at first is a younger-looking ranger. Uh, a rineal's uh, not particularly old, but she... Uh, this ranger is a uh, young male, um, looks a bit like a renial. Um, and you actually find this ranger in Bree. And you find this ranger kind of looking at kind of a letter that he's got and looking kind of along the road and looking at the letter and looking along the road. And he sees this fence that looks familiar. And he goes through the gate, closes the gate behind him, doesn't latch very well, goes up and knocks on the door. This is when I, I'm, I'm, door opens. What do we see? This is, this is you, for you to narrate. What do we see? You gotta do, you gotta do March's voice though. One last time. <laughs> okay. All right. Who is it? What? Yes, I my my sister told me to to stop by. Who is your sister? Arenial, Arenial. I don't know an Arenial. Ranger looks like me. She's come by, helped you a few times. Mm. Oh, there was that Terraneth. Oh, she was delightful. I loved her. That's, that's a friend of ours. Yes. Anyway, she sent me over to see if there was anything that you needed done. Oh. Gate, fence. Well, I uh, I hired this one person years ago to try to uh, fix the fence, and it just never got fixed. And the paint job was terrible. So, if yeah, you want to do something, you could. That might have been you, my sister. Yeah. Terraneth? No, she was delightful. She would have done great yeah. quality work. Uh, anyway, the, the paint. You, you, you have the. You have the paint. I'll, I I'll have to pay for the paint too. You can go get it. I will. I will do that. She did. Tell me to take good care of you. Okay. Weird ranges. She kind of mumbles under her breath. Okay. So you see, um, Birnor go gets paint. Paint the fence, fix the gate, doesn't squeak anymore. Finishes up, goes over to the door like he's going to knock on the door. 
And then you see him like, mm. <laughs> he'll just leave it be that he's done. Um, you see him go into his bag, pull out a pipe, got some sweet grass in it. And he keeps walking out of Bree, ways down into the South Downs. And there is when you do see Ariel. And she's been out hunting and kind of sees him coming. And uh, as he approaches, she friendly as ever and says, yep, it's exactly what you told me she would be. She sets up kind of a pot and gets some food going for them. And she says, I think, I think enough time has passed that maybe I can start to tell you a bit about what's happened lately. And she starts off where close to here, not quite here, going past the hustle and bustle of midday afternoon in Bree. Keep going down the slopes, sides of the hills, towards the Chetwood. A little smaller, little village. Cool. Her trails off into the scene. Come back to the now. The hills are not quite as dark. The sun shining down a little bit further. Tr more trees begin to appear here and there. A stream starts to pop up. Not yet to Fornasta rain, but approaching it. And we zoom in on Gilly. What's Gilly do in the months, weeks, days, years to come? So we first get a peek at what was like uh, life like for Pim and Tolman after Gilly left on what felt like this this quest that she probably didn't seem confident that she would return from. And they are surprising for Hobbits silent for weeks. They go about their day-to-day, -day, get what needs to be done, but there's really no cheer in it. And time passed slowly. And while we were in Angmar, the seasons changed and still Gilly had not yet returned. And hope started to dwindle a little bit. But one evening, Pim is washing dishes and she reaches under the sink. And instead of feeling, you know, the bucket that she's looking for inside the bucket, she finds a letter. And it's titled, Open This If You Need a Laugh. And knowing Gilly, she knows, surely there has to be more of these. So she throws this letter on the dining table and starts to rip the house apart. Uh, she finds a small stack of letters, do not open until winter halls, uh, open on summer's first rain, open on my birthday, open on dad's birthday, open on mom's birthday. And then there's one final one that she finds crumpled and hidden underneath Gilly's bed that says, do not open. And then 
crossed out beneath it if you're sure I've died. And so they don't open any of these letters because surely if they don't open these letters, then their daughter will come home and everything will be fine. And Tolman spends his time whittling a box, working on the Alcott's home um, because he knew Gilly was upset that she wasn't here to assist with that. And then one day they get a knock and it's a dwarf and it's Daggett and he's serious and somber and, you know, they smoke, he and Tolman smoke some sweet grass out front and they do play some dodge arrow. And uh, they're asking, where's Gilly? Where's Gilly? And Gilly had taken a bit of a longer way as she's up walking in, uh, with the rest of the group and finally comes up and she gives her parents a hug. And her mom yells at her and she's like, I don't know if I should throttle you or if I should hug you. And But she does hug her. Uh, and Gilly said, oh, you found the notes then? I was, I was hoping it would take longer. And then a delightful dinner and such happens and things kind of fade out. And one day there's a knock on the home and, and there is a series of elves from Forland. A Balavan is there and Gilly had sent a request for an escort to Forlorn. Um, and she does leave with them as her burns that she had uh, sustained from the acid had caused her great discomfort. So they were hoping that the elves would be able to help her assist her with this. And in the end, uh, she spends some time there learning the arts. And then she decides to go kind of on the grand spree where she just starts visiting scholars and writing and, and definitely peddling her smut. Uh, Gilly has, at this point, she has become a well-known author she has written books, both of it. She does have different, you know, t- names that she goes by for the serious stuff. She does go by Gilly Kettlegrass. Uh, but for anything, you know, that's a bit risque, it's <laughs> by G Sweetgrass. And, um, you know, <laughs> close enough, but, you know, not technically her name. And... At one point, she does run into Daggett, and he tells her about this dwarven scholar. And he's like, I think you definitely will probably want to meet this guy. And he winks at her, and Gilly knows that this is probably somebody that he's implying she'll think is dreamy. And she does. She does meet this dwarven scholar, Jeff. She thinks the pronunciation's weird, but, you know... She does. And of course, she writes this sword tale of how he meets Thebe, falls in love, and they run away and, and start their own halls together. And that becomes somehow a bestseller in Brie. It's very popular. and But she does wind up settling in Forland overall. She does travel occasionally, but Gilly has a small hobbit hole near Forland where she visits with Balavan and Lady Ortolos, and she spends time making mosaics with the other artists in painting and crafting and just being artistic like they encouraged her to be. Very, very nice. Finally, we come back to the now. We see the 
hills become a little softer. We see on the distance in the horizon, the ruined city of Fornost, where you all first encountered Lottie, where Talondale took you inside. And as we kind of crest over a hill, we see at the front of the column of people is Floy. Where does, what does, what does Floy do in the years, days, months, weeks to come? After years of relentless treasure hunting and adventures in Middle-earth, Floy found himself at a crossroads. The treasure hordes he had amassed throughout his journey had grown vast, rivaling the legendary riches of Erebor. Yet, the weight of his wealth bore heavily on his heart, as the insatiable lust for gold threatened to consume him. The memory of his companions, the trusted friends who had journeyed him in his perilous quest, remained etched in his soul. Remember the battles fought side by side, the laughter shared around the campfires, and the sacrifices made for the greater good. It was those bonds forged in those moments that truly enriched his life. As he gazed upon his immense treasure trove one last time, Floyd made a choice. He resolved to share his wealth with those in need, helping to rebuild the communities ravaged by the shadows. He donated vast sums to support the restorations and the well-being of his kin. Floyd, once a relentless treasure hunter, had evolved into a symbol of hope. He would live on not as a keeper of wealth, was a reminder that true riches laid upon the connections forward with others. That was beautiful, man. Well done. Floyd grew, became a charitable man in his age. Love it. So we come back to the now, pass by Fornos Rain. One last kind of longing look as we we see the place that kind of really ratcheted up the tension of this campaign. We we get onto the Greenway and it's sort of run down road. And eventually we, we see the scattered groups, the disparate peoples, the dwarves, the elves, the, the humans of Tharabad, the rangers of the north. We see... We see a single hobbit as well as they pass by the Chetwood and as they make to the modesty of Coombe. And more than likely, there is a day or two or more spent with healing, with celebration, with commiseration. But within a very short time, they are in the modesty of Coombe, the fellowship and his host of allies eventually parts ways. To the south, we we see traveling are the dwarves of Dunlin and what remains of the wardens of Tharbad, just a handful of each group. We can see that the Greenway is curling further southward past Bree to the South Downs. We can feel the old forest beckoning from the west but it's still southward. They turn, traveling kind of day and night until the road turns to causeway, elevates itself, goes higher and higher until the ruins of a once great city start to glow in the twilight until the thousand candles of the Red Palace beckons this group once more. To the east, we see traveling 
a scattered few rangers, and the elves Elrohir and Elidin, forever friends and allies. Their hearts are, are heavy at loss, but they are not alone. They travel past the shadows of Amonsul over the Hor Well, all in relative silence until the Trollshaws and their autumn-colored leaves start to draw near. And they parted then, the rangers turning southward to their hidden havens, and the elves eastward towards the misty mountains, for across the loud water was Rivendell, was their father, and was their home. To the west and for a time, the elves of Linden, Forlorn, and the dwarves of the Blue Mountains travel together across the Brandywine Bridge and into the Shire, through the through Whitfurrows and Frogmorton to Bywater and Hobbiton, where cheery folk drank and sang and celebrated for the Brandybucks and the Baggins had recently welcomed a new hobbit to their hole. And what better reason was there for merriment? But still, the elves and the dwarves traveled through Waymeet and Mickle Delving and over the far downs where fairies beckoned to them from hollows at night, past the white towers of Elysterion and across the River Loon and beyond into the shadow of the Blue Mountains. And from here, the dwarves turned north, the elves ventured west, but they parted as friends and allies still. And that is where we will end our campaign. I want to say thank you to everybody as I break up a little bit here. Thank you so much. Amazing. That was fantastic. I would give you a standing ovation, but I'd get cut off by the frame. But that was that was great. Yeah. Thank you so much. We got it. Amazing. That was beyond anything. (laughs) I'm imagining that Floy funded my expedition now. (laughs) I mean Erebor money, that's serious money. (laughs) Clearly has to. Mr. I That's love Bezos money. Is like, yeah, so clearly I made all this all this money. Like I have all this money of treasure troves that rival Erebor. <laughs> I know you finished watching Return of the King yesterday for the first time ever, but have you watched the Hobbit movies yet? Because those what are big treasure troves. <laughs> They're huge. You are the richest yeah. dwarf in the land. Oh. The absolute richest dwarf in the land. Well, I love uh, all right, folks, as we as we say goodbye, we're going to do uh, as we're going to say some thank yous and such. We're going to give one more um, one more giveaway from our friends at uh, from their friends at Norse Foundry. If you would like to get another win, type into the chat hashtag fellowship. And that is what we'll end on. Um, I want to thank uh, a, a bunch of people. Thank you so much to everyone who has been with us or some of you that have been watching since the very, very beginning. And that is uh, that is pretty amazing considering how this this has been going on for two years. And when we started this, I started this with the the idea it was only going to be a handful of sessions. I didn't really know what it was going to turn to. I had like this sketch of this idea of like this and that and the other. And the fact that it's basically turned into effectively two years, something like 10 months or, or just short of 11. Uh, and that is where we're at is pretty amazing. Um, players, you guys have been absolutely awesome. Like I just, You're the best. You're the best. This game really holds a special place in my heart. It was my first lollygagger game. 
uh, and it's how I got into the fold. And I remember watching live for several sessions uh, before you reached out and asked me if I wanted to play. And it's changed my life, literally. So I, I thank you for that, Jeff. It's been fantastic. Well, this is the uh, the game where we really started to to get to know both Stephen and and my Trey a little little while later, but but both of you and I have a different memory of that, Stephen. I have a memory of you saying in chat one day that boy, I sure would like to play or something like that, and I was like, no, oh, no, no, join this something. Like <laughs> we that. have it recorded. Do it. So I was in <laughs> chat giving you guys support. And you oh. on your own said, hey, we should get Steven to play. It, it sure seemed like you were angling. You were something. after me. All right. <laughs> Is that what it was? Now I'm after you, but it started it with you after me. Uh, so if you're if you're still watching, hashtag fellowship in the chat. Go ahead. We're going to give a, do a giveaway in, in just a moment. Uh, other folks I want to thank, I do really want to thank Eric from Nurse Foundry. This is also how we met Eric. Uh, basically, he found us and we sort of talked bit here and there and it was very cool for them to kind of hop on and um support the channel and and be willing to do all these little giveaways and things like that we all even use their dice my uh my feet die it kind of sucks because my feet die the the 12 on it is the lolly our little lolly symbol so it's a gandy so whenever it shows up i hate seeing it you know i'm just like ah damn it you know so i thought about making it and switching it but i never did um so, but, and there have been so many people who have given a, a disturbing amount of, uh, of bits and support, uh, in terms of complications and, and audience dice. So I can't thank you enough. Uh, you all have been so, so freaking awesome. And to, to sort of sit through, uh, 70, 71 episodes of, uh, of this, uh, and, uh, for those of you that are watching this later on stream, we really do appreciate you sticking through which is what is going to be a four hour finish. We have done, I think Peter Jackson proud. Uh, and how we have <laughs> ended this. So I feel like we've carried through. Are we uh, really that. at four hours? Just about. Oh my God. Time Around, yeah. 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 I said hell or high water. All right. Ooh. I'm going to go ahead. Jeff's not going to talk for like three days after this. <laughs> Seriously. When Melissa was like, hey, I need you to do the voice. I'm like, I don't think I can. <laughs> I should have done it. I'm sorry. I seriously don't think I can. I don't know uh, what you guys, all your issue is with Marge. She was lovely to me. She made me agree, cookies right? and everything. Game, like, recognized game. And she was like, Anchor Tara, point. That's my kind of person right there. Perennial anchor point to keep coming back to. No matter our travels, we come back oh, to Marge. She'll make it to the next campaign. <laughs> Could be 20 I years was, in the future. She'll still be there. I truly can't believe how close it got at the end. Uh, cause oh he was God. sitting at 15 endurance left, um, when missed his swing. Yeah. He, oh he was on 15, yeah, 15 endurance bad. left. It felt so bad. And I was just like, oh man. And I got really nervous at that point. I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like it's going to be, a, I knew Tara was, was there, but like, I was like, I don't know if just one shot. I know everyone's so weary and you know, who knows? And it got really scary. Uh, I thought this might be it. This might be it. You but. played that moment so well because really? you were like, you hit 19, huh? And like, we could not tell if that was a good or a bad thing. My nope. heart fucking dropped nope. to my feet. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. It was going to, I was I was nervous. I I was really nervous for a while there. Like uh and I was so excited to to do the snag it uh just like how I'm kind of running in. I was yeah, that reveal was awesome. That, that yeah. was, was so, so good. Everything that was about that was incredible. Yeah. I wasn't watching oh, stream, so I don't know if you had the token showing or not. 
but like when you just yanked it and uh, they were evil tokens and i was like oh mm -hmm. fuck you oh shit well, red colors evil token <laughs> oh. right? yeah. i was oh, totally prepared for daggett to die I did not oh, expect Snagit to die. Like I thought he'd say, oh, you know, he's going to the forge. I Titus. I realize, yeah. I am sorry about Titus, but you guys did roll four uh, four eyes of Sauron. I did do some rolls ahead of time to see how various um, how various tasks went, and they went okay. But like the difficulties were radically higher than they were mm -hmm. during like the Angmar phase. Like the Karndoom phase is much more difficult. Um, but then, like each time the Sauron's like kicked up, and I just like I gotta you increase this, gotta increase that. Off. So, I mean, <laughs> ultimately, you guys were successful, and I'm, and you know, it was it came down. It was literally like a roll of the die between whether it was Tharnau or Titus. Like it was fifty fifty, and it ended up being Titus. So, and I, I, I felt I like, did have a small epilogue written up if Tharnau died. I couldn't I was like I was just like I feel bad because I really like Titus because he was hilarious at the time he wasn't you know was I, I didn't expect him to Titus like to great. be a yeah you know. all right I think we have waxed on for far too long uh and so the last thing we want to do is basically everybody who watches this thank you for those of you who have been watching us live we really do appreciate it we I can't I know I know it sounds robotic but it is true uh those of you who are watching this later on VOD on YouTube and those of you who are just listening to this uh on the Waking of Angmar podcast feed like all of that stuff like um the fact that people have have like kind of resonate this has resonated with them has been pretty amazing uh and uh really cannot uh cannot thank folks enough uh, we uh, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be playing some more stuff. We're probably going to take a kind of a couple weeks off here and there as there's some folks moving. There's some folks out of town and we might pop up for like a random one shot or something. But we will eventually be starting up another game probably sometime in November. Uh, we'll announce that over on the discord when the time is right. And I definitely think we'll be back to one ring uh, at some point, possibly the Moria campaign uh, or or something else, because I have a couple other ideas as well. Apparently, we're going back to Angmar again for <laughs> Zarek Doom, so maybe we do that. <laughs> it's interesting, because Floy, we know, dies in, in Moria, and now we know that Tech dies in Zarek <laughs> Doom. So, fantastic. <laughs> Uh, okay, that is it. Thank you to those of you who were watching tonight. Think, I think it was uh, Griffin uh, and, uh, and John McSuda who won. Uh, thank you to, to Eric from Norse Foundry. Melissa and I will, will contact you all. And... Uh, and that is all. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.